0: Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Romero Records Podcast. We're going to start off by giving you some of our sponsors. First off, we've got The Coffee Ride. The Coffee Ride makes amazing coffee. I'm telling you, they've got ingredients from all over the place. Exotic flavors, flavors, flavor, flavors, such as Ethiopian blends with strawberry, white grape, creamsicle, and jasmine. It's crazy. Their bags are biodegradable. Their farmers are paid well and local. And one goal is to be able to ride their coffee to each home in order to avoid the use of gasoline or cars in general. It's crazy. Do us all a favor and order from this local company at thecoffeeride.com and receive 20% at checkout with the code Romero. That's R-O-M-E-R-A. We're also brought to you by Simper Savage. Simper Savage has done the work for you when it comes to making a salad dressing. Now, When I spoke to the owner of Semper Savage, he described to me that he wanted to have a salad dressing with no sugar, none of those added preservatives, none of that extra crap. Well, guess what? He is delivered. Semper Savage has none of those added sugars, none of that extra crap, none of that extra salt, those preservatives, none of that. This goes great as marinating meat. It goes great as marinating your veggies. Is that a thing? Do you marinate the veggies or is it just a dressing? Anyways, put Semper Savage on everything. It's like hot sauce. You know, you put hot sauce on everything. Do the same thing with Semper Savage dressing. It's amazing. Use code Records at checkout at SemperSavage.com. That is S-E-M-P-E-R-S-A-V-A-G-E.com. We're also brought to you by FNX. Yes, FNX. They are formulated by athletes for athletes. You can expect to fill your shelves with high-quality supplements. Dude, FNX has CBD oil, BCAAs, creatine, protein. You can get it all at FNXfit.com. Use code SUPA, not super, super, SUPA, S-U-P-A, H-E-N-D-O, 15, to get 15% off your order at checkout. SuperHindo 15 Don't forget that every item purchased, that's a gallon of water. Think about this. They donate a gallon of water. I, I was too excited to, to finish my sentence, but they donate a gallon of water for every item purchased. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, yeah, go check out FNXfit.com. We're also brought to you by Magic Spoon. Now, at first I was really skeptical about Magic Spoon. Their cereal is pretty good. All right, so check this out. You know when you really want a bowl of cereal, but you feel kind of bad about eating it, basically? Well, Magic Spoon is a protein-packed cereal. Now, it's got zero grains, zero sugars, and three net carbs. Now, go ahead and do the Semper Savage and marinate on that. All right, so everybody knows that they want to have cereal late at night when you're about to go to bed, Add a little protein to that. And how about zero carbs and zero sugars? Get some Magic Spoon in your life. Use code HENDOSAVES. That's H-E-N-D-O-S-A-V-E-S. Saves, And you're going to get a good little discount at magicspoon.com. Welcome to Romero Records Podcast. Today we have on... Zoe Duran. How's it going, Zoe?
1: It's going pretty good. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. So, yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool having you on because I don't know when you started following me on Instagram, but I noticed and I was like, I don't know who this is. But, like, you know, when it tells you, like, other people who follow people, mm-hmm. I, I was like, those people follow her, but I have no idea who this is, though. And then um, then I met you at the art show.
1: Mm -hmm. at the art bazaar
0: yeah at the art bazaar and i was like that's that girl (laughs) so yeah it was i mean it's it's i love meeting people um from like social media or stuff Mm -hmm. because i think it's cool to break that barrier you know like when you 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 know social media is for meeting people online but when you have the opportunity to like meet the person in real life it's like oh Oh, okay. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like adding another dimension to life. So it's, it's nice having you on. Though.
1: I feel like too, with the social media being that way, you can get like a little bit more of a glimpse of a person. Yeah. So then it's like, you can almost get that much more excited when you meet them. Cause yeah. you already kind of know a little bit of what to expect. Exactly. So it's exciting. It's like, you can curate who you meet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's way. like, it's
0: like a celebrities, you know, yeah. you, you think, you know, somebody until you actually meet them in person. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I've, ASAP Rocky is one of my favorite artists. Like I feel like I know ASAP Rocky, but I have no idea who ASAP Rocky is. Like, yeah. it's it's just weird transitioning from you know the social media to real person, and now I'm oh yeah having a sit down conversation with you. Like I talked to you at the art bazaar, but I didn't get to know you. I just talked to you. So Yeah, getting to know you. So yeah.
1: I feel like I've bumped into you in other places, too, other social settings.
0: Probably. Is that a spider on my hat? Oh, it's a bug.
1: Oh, if it was, I was about to wake (laughs) out. I was like, no spiders for me. Uh, That's just a bug. Spiders are a sign of creativity, though. No. Like, spiritually, if you're into that.
0: I am not, but feel free. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm like, spiders are a sign of creativity. So Hmm. if you see a spider, don't squash it.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Also, that is another reason why I was interested in talking to you. Because I see a lot of your posts are like, you have like, uh, I guess like deep thought type, mm-hmm. type posts where it's, it's not very surface level. <laughs>
1: yeah, like, I kind of go straight in for the jugular. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think you are also a very opinionated person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, you know, whether you, whether somebody completely agrees with you or disagrees with you. I think opinionated people are good for the planet just Mm -hmm. because they have an idea and they go with it. Like my wife, very indecisive and Mm -hmm. it bothers the piss out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Rachel, make a decision. Do not just drag this along. So that's how I am. Like if I, if I believe something or if I, you know, if I think something, I just, I just do it. Mm -hmm. And, And that's it. That's the end of the story. She's like, don't you want to think about this for a while? I'm like, no, I just this is what I think. So I yeah, just do. you just
1: want to go in for it. Yeah. No, I feel that way for sure. I'm I'm indecisive with things that don't matter, like mm. food. Like if you're like, where are we eating? Don't do that to me. I cannot pick like where we're eating. But if it comes to you know just like like environmental rights or like spirituality or something that I have like a core, just like innate belief system in. Mm. I feel like where I just have like a a core, maybe, like, like moral compass. Okay. Like, just, like, something I feel like I've always had since I was a kid. When yeah. that is what's on it, then I'm, like, not indecisive. I'm, like, very decisive. Hmm. But if it's something where it's, like, my moral compass doesn't have to be involved, I'm just, like, the most indecisive person ever. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm very, like, both sides of the coin with it.
0: Okay. But I am Fair a Gemini, enough. so... I don't even...
1: (laughs) Astrology. Uh,
0: (laughs) Okay, so I know I'm a cancer. Okay. Um, I know that a lot of people, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of people say um, that cancers are usually easy to get along with, I think. Um, And I think that's true. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people who are born around the same time I'm born around, like, I usually get along with those people. Yeah. Like, one of the coolest girls, like, in school or whatever that um, I went to high school with, she uh, had the same birth date as me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all she was one of those girls where, like, she had all-guy friends and, like, mm-hmm. all the guys talked to her and whatnot. And so she was cool. I was like, oh, same birthday. So it's got to be people born around the same time. Yeah. My wife, born July 8th. I'm born July 13th. So five days apart. Nice. Yeah. So I usually people who are born around the same time as me. I just end up being good friends with them. Like, there's very few people I'm like, I don't like that person. And they're, like, same, close to the same birthday.
1: Yeah. I feel that way, too. I feel like there's very few people where I'm just like, I don't like you. (laughs) You know, like, "Mm."
0: I always say that, like, it takes a lot of energy to dislike people.
1: It does. You know? And honestly, like, I don't really dislike people unless they're just, like, hurting other people. yeah. Like, unless your actions and, like, what you say – you know, if they hurt people, then I'm not going to be cool with it. But if you're not hurting anybody but yourself, then it's, like, I'm not really going to hold any, like, negativity towards you because it's not my business. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's there's plenty of people who are like, I don't like what they do. Mm-hmm. But it's not something I think about all the yeah. time. Yeah. Like, trying to make their life worse. Yeah, or it's like, they're doing
1: <laughs> their own thing. Let yeah. them, like, I do plenty of things. People are, like, like, <laughs> like okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and And, like, that's what you see on social media all the time is people mm-hmm. just – they make it their life to make somebody else's life bad. Like mm-hmm. if somebody, the worst. Oh man, do you ha- are you following any like um like music groups or anything like that on Facebook?
1: I follow more in terms of like things local things. Oh okay, but I do follow like a couple, you know, like larger groups and yeah. artists and whatnot. Yeah.
0: So people, so I'm in like a Universal Audio group, and okay. like people will ask a question or something like that, and people just go bashing that person. It, it might be like you know, a beginner and mm-hmm. they just bought their um, Apollo interface mm-hmm. or something. They're asking a question. And then like people who've been doing it for forever are like, oh my God, why do you have the money to buy this? And you know, you're the yeah. loser. And I'm just like, dear God, <laughs> they just asked the no question.
1: Yeah, they're like, hey, help me, please. <laughs> yeah, <Like." laughs> chill.
0: I, I don't know. I, th- I think a lot of people, they, they just get in this mindset mm-hmm. of how things, or how, like, I think people try to dictate how other people Mm -hmm. should either think or act, and it's like, yo, we're all individual human beings living in our own world that just so happen to be on the same planet. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) like, It's crazy if you think about it that way because everybody's got their own things that they go through day to day, so you just got to let people be.
1: And just do their own thing. I feel like Memphis is really good about that, but the rest – Of the country, maybe not so much. But Mm. I feel like us as a city, I feel like we're really good about just, like, letting people be themselves.
2: Mm, Like,
1: even as a small city. Because when you look at, you know, just, like, Midtown, Mm. you know, walk around Midtown, like, tourists come to Midtown, they're like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Because they're, like, expecting Nashville when they come to Memphis. Or, like, Chattanooga. Mm. Or, you know, like, something like that. And then they get here, and it's just, like, a whole bunch of punks. Mm. Like, from all different, you know, like walks of life in yeah. communities, like whatever you want to describe as like punk from yeah, your yeah. community. It's just, that's what Memphis I feel like is. It's just all this beautiful, like melting. Yeah. And of course we have our issues and like our, our things, but I feel like we're really good
0: here. Now about you, you're from here?
1: I am from Memphis. Okay. So I was born in Memphis, but I grew up in the Delta In Walls, Mississippi. Okay. So, like, just on the other side of the state line Mm. of, like, South Memphis. Okay. So, I've always kind of lived, like, right on the state line. Got you. I lived in Midtown for a little while. I'm back in Mississippi now, but...
0: Oh, okay. The goal is
1: to move back to Memphis. I want to buy a house in Memphis.
0: So, why why is that your goal?
1: So, I really wanted to buy a house in South Memphis. I really love South Memphis. When I was growing up a lot, like, my mom had friends there. So, Mm -hmm. I was just always, like, not, um... More like the western side of South Memphis, more like Boxtown Town and where like T.O. Fuller is, kind of like the western side of 3rd Street and south of Mallory, okay. like that little pocket. I really love it over there. And I'm saying like,
0: okay like I know, but I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, a,
1: it's a really awesome part of Memphis, and like a lot of people don't go there because they're scared of South Memphis or they're scared of North Memphis or, you know, these parts of town that just like always get bashed on when they shouldn't be because they've created all the history that our city profits off of.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, like, because South Memphis is one of the oldest parts of town. Okay. So that's where, like, that area of South Memphis, that's where, like, Roscoe Gordon Jr. grew up. You know, that's where, like, Aretha Franklin grew up. That's where Stax is. That's where, like, Royal Studios is. Like, all these incredible things that really make Memphis what Memphis is came from that community, and they just aren't being reinvested in. So I really just want to buy a home in the community that I want to, like, personally invest in, because mm. I feel like it's one thing to say, hey, I want to invest in this community, but then you're going to live outside of it yeah, and drive yeah. to it, Yeah, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, yeah. no, you need to, like, lead by example and go live in the community, like, deal with the same issues that the community's dealing with so you know how to, like, properly assess them and, you know, fix them and not just be like, hey, I'm from <laughs> over here, but I'm going to fix all your problems, yeah. you know? So I want to move there and actually, like, be a part of the community and, like, really do my part to give back and make the community better.
0: You sound like a politician. Are you a politician? I'm not
1: a politician. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you a politician. Should, you I, have to
0: change course.
1: Yeah. Poli- uh, I don't think I could be a politician because I'm a little too honest. Uh, Perfect. Change yeah. Change <laughs> like, everything. I, I don't think I'd make it far enough into politics <laughs> <laughs> due to that factor.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's something that I think Politics are lacking. It's mm-hmm. people just speaking their brain. And that's why, you know, love them or hate them however you want to. That's how Trump was. Like Trump mm-hmm. just, he said what was, there was on his mind. And that made oh, some did. people love him. That made some people hate him. But yeah, that man
1: definitely did not filter his thoughts <laughs> at all. Yeah. He did not filter them.
0: And I, I think that's, sometimes that's good because it lets people understand, like, I think the best thing is mm-hmm. when people understand that. People at certain levels are mm-hmm. still people. You know, they're like they're still a human being. Oh yeah. So they're gonna say some really stupid stuff, mm-hmm. and Trump did that all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. So it, you have to realize, like, hey, people are gonna be honest every mm-hmm. once in a while, and just because they're, just because their thoughts might not align with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're still just, you know, speaking their thoughts, still being honest. So yeah. you got to let people be.
1: <laughs> I do think, like, all the things that were happening were obviously already happening. Yeah. And then him just saying and being himself just made all the people that participated in those mm-hmm. thoughts and ideas feel comfortable enough to be, like, very
0: yeah. upfront about yeah. it.
1: But that also, in a way, kind of, like, ripped the Band-Aid off of this thing that nobody wants to talk about.
0: You know, Absolutely. which
1: is like the caste system in our country that yeah. nobody wants to address. And it's like, we have to address it. That's yeah. why we're repeating history. It's just like, it's <laughs> like come on, y'all. Like, yeah. use your brains. I just don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm like, I, I guess because I'm such like a, a knowledge hungry person. Like, I will drive myself crazy because I don't ever go to sleep because I just want to read and mm. like just learn. I like always want to learn because I feel like. The more educated you are, the, m- the more you can do for yourself and for others. You know, like, as long as you're ignorant, like, who are you helping mm. in your ignorance? Like, who are you helping with no knowledge? And especially now, with everything going on, it's like, we really need to, like, drastically, r- like, re-educate ourselves as adults. Because, obviously, our education system isn't teaching all of history and all of the things. Failing. So, it's like, we have to educate ourselves. So, I feel like that's been my... My goal, especially during the pandemic when all you have is just so much time. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do?
0: So what's what's your, I know you said you like to read, but like, Mm -hmm. how do you educate yourself?
1: So I love documentaries. Okay. I love to read.
0: Like Netflix, like books.
1: Oh man, I'm like a documentary whore. Like all all the things, Amazon Prime, Mm. Hulu, like YouTube, anywhere where I can find a documentary worth watching, I will watch it. Okay. Like love it. Uh, I love to read books. I also too like even on Facebook and Instagram, like really curating like w- what information you're exposed to. Okay. Like you know, I really like to uh, every like couple months I'll go through my Instagram. And I'll just unfollow a bunch of a bunch of stuff because I'm just like, why am I following this? It's not doing anything for me. So I try to curate my feed to where it's just like, okay, these are the people that I want to, you know, be in the know about or they do cool stuff in the city that I want to know about, you know, or whatever. These are my friends. Then it's like, okay, this is what's happening in the community. Like these, these are the different community like outlets that I follow so I can like keep up with you know, local things or whatever. And then I have my things where it's like, okay, how I'm gonna stay up to date on current events. Mm. So then I follow different pages from like all the different things. Cause you have no no one source is gonna be the full source. So you need to expose yourself to lots of sources so you can like put the full picture together yourself and not be like, This guy said this is it. Yeah. So this must be it. Yeah. So I try to expose myself to like, you know, smaller news outlets and larger news outlets. And then also, too, just, like, history pages. Like, there's so many groups on Facebook Mm. where it's, like, all these old history buffs and all these people that love music or love history. And they have, like, all this archive knowledge that (laughs) they have, like, sitting in their attic. And they just post it one day with, like, a ton of information. So, like, so much of what I've learned about musicians and, like, music history, I've honestly learned through, like, little things like that Mm. where I've just, you know watch a documentary and then maybe I follow a little page on Facebook and I'm like, oh. You know, like I follow like a blues history page on Facebook and they post like tons of obscure little facts and like stories and photos and sometimes like audio clips of like a lot of the Delta Blues guys. And that's not stuff you can find on Spotify. Yeah, yeah. That's not stuff that you can just find on YouTube. You know, so it's really like just really digging. Yeah. But I also feel like, you know, like the law of attraction, like what you put out is what you get back. Yeah. I want to learn. Like, I want knowledge badly. So I feel like a lot of the knowledge I seek just kind of comes to me a lot of times, too. Like, sometimes I don't have to really search hard for something. Like, I'll say, hey, you know, I want to, like, learn about this. And then a couple days later, I'll come across, like, a documentary or a book or a post. I'm just like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, thanks, universe. (laughs) Thanks, thanks whatever's out there for that, that little piece.
0: I I think... That is a hundred percent true. With, um, with everything you know, wh- whatever you seek, like those things will just tend to just follow you, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like um, you ever play Grand Theft Auto? Yes. So a lot of people talk about the um, God. What is that called? It's the something effect. It's like when you buy a car, mm-hmm. and then you like see that car all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that actually happens in Grand yeah. Theft Auto. Like when you drive a car. Mm-hmm you end up seeing that car all the time. And I think that's true in, you know, in everything in life. Like if you, you know, if if you are looking to follow, you know, a certain thing, if you follow that on Facebook and Instagram, then like you'll see it all the time Mm -hmm. because the internet just finds a way to shove that thing in your face with ads and all kinds of stuff. But that's just, that's algorithms. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like your brain works that way. Oh, yeah. I know people who are for lack of a better word mentally unstable mm-hmm. and when they talk about Facebook or whatever they're always like Facebook is horrible mm-hmm. is you know it's mentally damaging and it's hurting people mm-hmm. I'm just like I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's not what I see on Facebook.
1: Yeah. And I really do think it comes down to like curating what you expose yourself to. Yeah. Because you can expose yourself to just like drama and negativity and people that like hate comment on like an idea that you post that's just like, all right, you could have just scrolled past it, you Mm. know? Especially when it comes to just like a lot of things just being so politicized now. Like everything feel like gets politicized mm. and I mean things that aren't actual politics being politicized not yeah. like when people say everything's politicized and yeah. it's not really like I feel like that is a big thing too where people are getting so much of like recent angst from mm. social media is also like people that get into like things that are politicized right now on the internet I mean even like the, pan- the pandemic yeah like somebody could just post a news article about the cases like in our in our city, and somebody could just lose their ever loving mind on you for no reason yeah. about it because it's so politicized. So that's why I really like to keep my little
0: mm. social
1: media thing super curated, yeah. to and where it's just like my stuff.
0: And all the things you talked about, some mm-hmm. people might not even know that existed mm-hmm. because they're living in this little bubble yeah. of like damaging thoughts. Mm-hmm. Or you know somebody might just be a really happy person all the time. Yeah. So all they see is like puppies and kittens on <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram, and then they might not even know about all the bad things. Yeah. On Facebook. So it's all about how you know how whatever your mindset is is mm-hmm. on. Those are the things that you're going to be like seeing all yeah. the time.
1: I, I think, think I think social media is a tool. Yes. And yeah. it's how you wield it. Like, you know, you could sit there and be reckless with the saw and cut yourself, or yeah. you could pay attention and not cut yourself. It's like, you just have to, you have to think about it as a tool and not like, this is my life. Not like this living, like, organism. Like, I feel like some people are just so just like, that's their whole life yeah, is yeah. their social media. Yeah. And they don't like live outside of that. And I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, yeah. I like to to talk to people exactly. in person, you know? And, and
0: that's what I was saying. That's what I like about this. Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, I could, whatever post you post, I could, you know, message you or, or comment on it. But, like, you know, that's that's all I'm doing is making mm-hmm. the word comment. I'm making a comment. Yeah,
1: like, You're showing a little bit of interest, but it's yeah. just surface level. It doesn't get to, like, get any deeper exactly. than that, really, I feel like, on social media. Yeah. Because you're not going to sit here and type out this whole conversation yeah. that we're having, you know? You're yeah. just going to be like, oh, cool. <laughs> <message>. <laughs>
0: like, exactly.
1: might send an emoji with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For sure. And yeah. uh, let's see. There was another person, uh, David Yancey. Mm-hmm. So when I had him on, uh, I knew nothing about him. I knew that he had that one painting that was on the news. Mm-hmm. And so I saw that and I was like, cool. I'm going to ask him on the podcast. And I had him on. And um, when I had him on, I think it was right, bef- right after the George Floyd stuff. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that a good bit, and we talked about a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, it was really cool knowing, like, how emotional he was about Mm -hmm. the situation because, you know, I wouldn't have picked that up from just looking at his social media or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, again, that's another thing that I just like about a full-length, like, this podcast is just a full-length conversation of just getting to know somebody a, in a deeper way so that they, like, so that they can express mm-hmm. their thoughts. Because I, I don't get that from the internet. Like, yeah. when people post articles, even the Washington Post or the New York mm-hmm. Post, like, some of the most famous news places, they're only giving you a snipet mm-hmm. of what, truly happen in a story or something like that so it's it's horrible to, <laughs> if you were just reading news articles all day and thinking that's the full story oh yeah that's i don't know i i'm the type of person who if if something intrigues me then you know i'll continue on my my mm-hmm. research but if i if i look at it and i'm just like that seems like a bunch of fluff and i'm, <laughs> I'm yeah I'm on
1: that. no that's totally understandable it's totally show. David's great though. I yeah. love David. Yeah, He's, he's awesome. good people. Like I, the art bazaars are Yeah. So cool. And they're getting cool because he started doing those before the pandemic.
2: Yeah. That's yeah. how long
1: they've been happening. So it's really cool to see like it's survived through I currently, I mean, we're still in the pandemic. Yeah. We're not through it yet. Yeah. But it's cool to see how it's evolved into this really cool event with like a fashion show and all the things now.
0: How do y'all know each other?
1: So, um trying to think how did David and I meet I know we uh did I meet him at Art Bazaar? I feel like I might have met him at Mm. Art Bazaar. Or no, 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 no. I remember how we met. So, the last uh, live music event I went to before COVID happened was the reggae event that they had at Rail Garden. Mm. And Yubu was playing, and Chinese Connection was playing. And David was like hosting it. He was the DJ, kind of just like running sound in between sets and just making everything, making sure everything was like, you know, smooth sailing for the night. And he invited me out. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went out there, and that's how I met him. And I'm actually really good friends with Yubu now because I went out that night. And that's how I met Yubu. And uh, have you ever met Yubu before? No. Okay, so he's great. He's a local musician. Well, he's local now. He's from Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. And he's been living in Memphis for like five or six years now, something like that. But uh, he's really awesome. He's a local musician. He's done like a blues album and a soul album, and he does reggae. So basically, like, when he came here, you know, we have a huge community here mm-hmm. for, like, Rasta culture and reggae music and that kind that. of food. <laughs> like, there's so m- Memphis is so great. Like, we have so many pockets and <laughs> so pot. many incredible cultures. And, like, so many people don't know it. But we had this incredible just, like, really underground scene that wasn't really... Happening So when he came here and he moved to Memphis, he really started networking within that scene and really got the reggae scene, like, hmm. up and going. So now there's, like, reggae Sundays at Brinson's, you know, wow. the first weekend or the last weekend of every month, something like that. Hmm. And they do, like, the Bob Marley tributes where, like, Ziggy Marley will come in town and perform. <laughs> you know, like, all That's this crazy. cool shit. Yeah. That's it's wild. really awesome.
0: So when when you meet people like that, what is your... I guess, like, what is your expectation? Are you just like, oh, that's a cool person, but I'm probably not going to, you know, be involved with them that mm-hmm. much. Or it's like, oh, I have to, like, know everything about this person, hang out with them all the time, make connections. Like, how do, you, how do you connect with people?
1: I feel like I don't really think about it when I do it. I feel like I just don't expect anything out of anybody. Mm. So I don't ever get, like, disappointed when I meet people. Mm. Like, I try to look at people, like, as human as possible, you know, especially, too, like, I got – so I got in a really bad car wreck mm. last year. I, I moved to Louisiana. Right I was in, So basically I was dating a guy, moved to Louisiana to live there with him, got in a really bad car wreck, like, after being there for a month, mm. shattered my pelvis. Dang. Yeah, couldn't walk for three months. Oh, my God. It was gnarly. 2020 kicked my ass, quite oh literally.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, so basically I, I couldn't walk for, like – Three months, couldn't put any pressure on my leg. So that wasn't even, like, I couldn't walk technically longer than that because I had to, like, retrain my leg to walk and all the things. But so I did that. And I don't know, that whole experience was just, like, extremely humbling. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't – I wouldn't say that I wasn't a humble person before. I feel like I've always tried to be, like, a humble, down-to-earth person, you know, try to admit when I'm wrong. But I feel like that situation really – like humbled me what and do you woke think me about? up. Well, I mean, so I'll, I can go a little bit more into the situation. So again, this wreck, like pelvis is completely shattered. I would met the guy I was dating at the time's family, like only one time before this happened. Mm. And then I couldn't walk and I couldn't drive back home because my pelvis was shattered. And uh, it's an eight hour car ride. So I was kind of trapped. Yeah. So I had to move in with his family that I did not know. Dang. And, you know, <laughs> Yeah, so that's like uncomfortable. And then, you know, the family that I'm I'm extremely like let me say like before I go further. I am so very grateful for all the things that they did for me. Yeah. But it was also like the worst experience of my entire oh, life at man. the same time because I was staying with people that have different political beliefs. Oh. During a time when oh. everything <laughs> is <What's> political. political? <laughs> I'm like, got Tucker Carlson on surround sound in the house, and I can't oh walk away because it's on surround sound, like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you know, oh, man. so it was a lot. <laughs> That's um, different religious beliefs than me. Which okay. let me put this out there: I believe in religious pr- plurality. Okay. So sometimes I have issues with organizing organizations or groups of people that are from organized religion because okay. sometimes they don't like to to think that they're not wrong. Yeah. You yeah. know, they don't they don't like to be like, yeah, other religions are cool and yeah. should exist. They're that like, no, we're the exist. only yeah. ones yeah, yeah. and everybody else is going to hell. And it's like that's not that's, you know, that's yeah. not how you should live life. Even if you believe that you should treat people differently. Than that.
0: So what what are you saying that you I guess so, believe or whatever?
1: So I'm more spiritual. Mm. They were members of the Catholic Church. Oh, like like uh. actual like diocese members and like priests and stuff. Oh, uh. <laughs> <So,
0: laughs>
1: yeah. So like, he, wait a minute.
0: What about your boyfriend? He your was not.
1: He was cool. Oh. Yeah, he was cool. He's like me, spiritual.
0: <laughs> you said he was cool. <laughs> he was cool. Oh, he was religious. He was cool. <laughs> he was cool.
1: Family, oof, you know. and The family was great. They're all great. But it's just like to, to be somewhere where you're trapped. You can't leave. You're relying on people you don't know at all. Yeah. And everything at that time is like politicized yeah. in the world. And then they also like have, you know, religious beliefs that often are used in politics also to further promote certain ideas. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is like a personally designed hellscape for me to heal in. it's yeah. I was like, woo. So, it was very humbling because, you know, I can't walk. So, these people are bathing me. Oh, dang. Yeah. Like, they're bathing me, helping me. Like, I had to wear a diaper because my bladder got compressed. Like, you know, like, all the, like, it was pretty gnarly. Dang. Yeah, it was gnarly. So, it was very humiliating and, like, humbling to the point to where I was like, okay, okay. I was like, life can't get can't get much worse than yeah. than this is right now. Like, have a stranger bathing me, like while I'm sitting in a chair in the shower because I can't move.
2: Oh Yeah.
1: Man. So it was definitely an experience, but I feel like you know, I always say I don't regret anything in life, mm-hmm. even if I'm like, ooh, I could have made a better decision. Yeah, yeah. Because like every mistake or every you know lesson you learn. It develops your character. Absolutely, and I feel like my character is way better hmm. than it was even just a year ago.
0: So you think that made you a better person altogether?
1: Oh yeah, totally. Hmm. Not that I don't think I was. I I feel like I've always been a good a good person. Yeah. mostly. You know, I wouldn't say that I was like awful or or mean or anything, and yeah. I've always had, like, ideas to help people and things like that. Ever since I was a kid, I've been very, like, I'd, I'd get, like, beat up because I'd be like, don't bully that person, and they you know, like, bust my lip yeah. for saying something. So I've always kind of been that person, but that experience, it just, like, being humbled so mm. thoroughly just makes you really look at people differently yeah. as people, you know? And there also was just, like, other things going on. You know, like, I, you know, different members of – the family I was staying with struggled with addiction and they Mm. were in the car wreck with me and got injured. So then like seeing somebody's personal struggle with that, yeah, you know, and like seeing how that can make somebody act differently. It really, it really changed my perspective on like mental health Mm. and addiction. Not that I didn't think it was real or that I didn't acknowledge it. I just didn't have as much empathy, Yeah, you know, for, for like, I wouldn't say like, Some mental health is less serious than others, but I mean, like, serious mental health issues like schizophrenia and, like, multiple personality disorder, like, stuff like that. Like, I've never been exposed to that level. I've been exposed to, like, bipolar and depression and, you know, with my own family and things like that. But to be exposed to a different side of the mental health spectrum that I hadn't really been exposed to... And, like, understanding, like, oh, wow, these these are issues that, like, need to be talked about in general society. Like, these are people that need help.
0: That's what happened to me. I, I dated a girl who had depression. And, like, again, yeah, I, I take depression seriously, sure. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really, empath, you know, I guess I can't say empathize because I don't have it. But, mm-hmm. like, I didn't really understand and grasp it until I was with her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh oh, this is mm-hmm. for real. Because yeah. she was saying, I, I asked her to explain it, and she was like, I basically just get f- get stuck in this thought, and I can't get out of it. It's like mm-hmm. a funk that you like, like people talk about like having writer's block, like you mm-hmm. just can't write. She was like, I just get stuck. Like my mm-hmm. brain is just stuck, and I can't get out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, wow. And so, you know, I, I definitely... I, I guess I can empathize mm-hmm. with what you went through being around those people. Oh yeah, because sometimes I'm
1: I, to like hide in your meds while you can't walk type of like, Whew. like you know, and that really like you're seeing somebody steal medicine from like their family member mm. because of like how thorough yeah. their addiction is, and it's like wow, like and you know how much those two people like love and care for each other, so yeah. it's just like it really makes you just be like okay. Yeah, it's not that person like choosing to do that. Like that really is like their their addiction and their mental health. Yeah. Like taking control of their action. And it's really, it's really sad. Like in that I was in Lafayette, Louisiana. Mm. That city has so many people addicted to substances. Like mm. I'm talking like you're in the Whole Foods parking lot and people are like cracked out, like freaking out Dang. in the parking lot, like like, didn't matter how bougie the town was and what part of town you're in. Like, it's everywhere, and they don't have proper services out there, mm. you know, and that's why it's so bad. But even to, like, you know, like homeless people, for example, I, I have always had a very, like, special place in my heart for homeless people because I've always had the acute awareness that if it was not for my situation or my family— or you know my privileges that I've had in my life, I could very easily be in the exact same position as those people. Yeah. And the only thing that's keeping me from that has oftentimes been my family or friends. Mm. So you know, for it just really bothers me how as soon as somebody gets called homeless, like people view them with like way less humanity. Mm. It's like the human, the empathy is immediately ripped away yeah, yeah. when somebody's deemed homeless. Like, nobody has empathy. Like, when somebody's... Literally, you can see their every bone in their body, and they're asking you for money, and you're like, fuck you, no.
2: Yeah.
1: How many people do that? How many people scoff at people and don't even look at them yeah. when they walk past them? Like, those are human beings. Those are people just like us.
2: Absolutely. And
1: when I got in my car wreck, and we were, like, laid out in the street, like, couldn't walk, freaked out, like... You know, there's blood and glass everywhere. Like, it was gnarly, the wreck was, because a work truck hit me like, ripped my car door off, like, gnarly. We were very lucky. Like, the wreck was really bad. And we're sitting there, and all these rich assholes and, you know, their nice cars and the Range Rovers are honking their horns at us to get out of the street. When oh, We're clearly, my God. like, clearly, like, some of us look like we could be dead, potentially. Not me. I'm t- talking about the other people in the car. And... It was literally the homeless people that were, like, tweaking that came and helped us. Wow. And came over and checked on us. And you could tell that they were freaked the fuck out, that Mm -hmm. we're sitting there, like, screaming, covered in blood, and they're, like, visibly tweaking. They're like, you're okay, man. You're okay. Mm -hmm. But they're sitting there showing more humanity to us.
0: Than people who got it all together. You
1: know, than people that have everything. Like, those people, we probably... We're making them have a badass trip. And I know that sounds stupid to say, but when in, you're in that type of situation and when you're you're homeless and you're addicted to stuff, like, all, all of their money went to that instead of food because their life sucks so bad. They want to feel that way. And then they're over here losing that little sense of euphoria, euphoria that they just paid all their money for instead of things that they need for their body to come get it ruined to help us. Yeah. You know, and I just feel like... I don't know, it just bothers me, like, mm. how how homeless people are just not, nobody cares about them. Mm. And the programs we have in existence don't do shit to help them. Yeah. Like, they really don't. Like, uh, the homeless shelter is $12 a night downtown. Really? That doesn't include food, that does not include a shower, and that gives you a little cot with no pillow, no blanket, and you're likely to be assaulted, stolen from, raped, or murdered in the home because it's not like it's safe. mm So literally, like, people that have two-bedroom houses in Section 8 housing with, like, four kids pay $35 a month for housing. (laughs) That's crazy. But homeless people have to pay $12 a night at the homeless shelter, and they don't have a job. They don't have access to a shower to get a job. Wow. You know, like, they're too poor to even get a job because they can't bathe to get hired. They can't wash their clothes. They can't commute there. Nobody wants to hire somebody that stinks. Nobody That's wants to hire crazy. somebody with dirty clothes. Like people don't think about it. it's not like people choose to live life that way. Yeah. People nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to be an addict. Nobody wants to be violent. You know, people get conditioned to be that way. Yeah. And it's like nobody wants to talk about the conditions that, you know, cause the effect. Everybody just wants to like slap a band aid over it and not get to like the root of the issue.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing that gets brought up a lot about. Um, I guess people just talk about people in like poverty areas, and they talk about like black people and and uh, like inner cities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they'll just say, you know, just just do better or whatever. But they don't realize there's a reason why they yeah. haven't done better. It's, it's
1: systemic. Yeah,
0: it's a whole system of revolving door and and mentality. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's not just a mentality of like i can't do better it's be, there's a reason why as i said like the depression like you just get mm-hmm. stuck in this mindset like you might think you can do better but then like something might happen mm-hmm. and then your brain just like nope we can't do this and yeah. it, it's it just constant that's an everyday thing it's mm-hmm. not like once a month this happens <laughs> it's, oh, it's yeah. an everyday thing it's
1: all the time yeah. and like if you think about it too like all the people that like they don't even have like, when you go to survival school or when you're in the military and you have to go through, like, survival training, like, seer school and stuff like that, they tell you the three basic necessities to survival that you must obtain within the first three to four days that you're in the wild or else you will die is shelter, clean water, and a clean food source. Hmm. And what are all these people lacking? These people <laughs> oh. live, it, you know, it, I've been reading a lot about it. And, like, you know, everybody calls it, like, a food desert. Mm -hmm. And I've been reading a lot where people are like, you know, a food desert isn't accurate because deserts occur naturally. So it is a food apartheid because it is done systemically by Mm -hmm. the government and businesses. And a food desert doesn't accurately cover it. Just like racism doesn't accurately cover, like, what we have going on in the country, which is a caste system that racism is fundamentally a part of Mm -hmm. because that caste system is built upon race.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, so it's just like, I don't know, that's part of the thing where I was telling you, like, I'm trying to re-educate myself. Mm. You know, like, understanding, like, okay, you know, the way that people say things and the words they choose, like, just mask things that are so in our face that are issues. So I'm just trying to, like, rip off the mask. You know, like, I've been reading a lot about Memphis and – Memphis is the largest of food apartheid in the country. One in three children starve in our city. We literally have higher... If Memphis was a country, we would have higher starvation rates than most of Africa.
0: Oh, my God. So, what do you think... And
1: then in South Memphis, specifically, there's a 10-year life expectancy uh, difference where people on average, live 10 years less there because of the air quality, because of the oil refineries, mm. and because they have literally, like, you know, nuclear waste sites and things like that out there. Like, it's just...
0: What do you think is, like, the, the root of, of that issue?
1: Honestly, I mean, if you look at Memphis... So Memphis, if you go back into the city's history and you look at downtown, Beale Street was, like, the Black Harlem of the South. Right, so then we start having, you know, things integrate, then all this music and the cotton and all the economy is starting to, you know, get better. So that community gets pushed north and south Mm -hmm. of where they were at, which is North Memphis and South Memphis, Mm -hmm. which are also two parts of town that have never been, like, properly invested in.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, look at them. Like, they don't – and it's also, too, I've been reading a lot about it, like, too, where a lot of investments are made due to tax – like tax things. So if you have a ton of vacancies and you don't have a ton of people paying taxes in a district, their funding gets cut. Mm. So people like, you know, say people in East Memphis have more funding than people in South Memphis or Frazier, even though they need it the most and they have most of the need.
0: I had on Dominique Frost and she was running for something. Forgive me, Dominique, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, she was talking to me about this kind of stuff because I'd never voted in my whole life mm-hmm. before the last time I just voted. And uh, she basically convinced me mm-hmm. <laughs> just from this podcast to uh, to vote. But she was talking about how, like, people just not filling out their um, – what's it called? The census, that damages your city by not doing that mm-hmm. because the less people you have, the less funding you get. Mm-hmm. The less funding you get, the less things you get. And I was like, oh. I didn't even know, like, just, just by filling out a census, you're damaging your own community. And I was like, oh my God, like just the little things Mm -hmm. of voting and filling out a census and like the taxes and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff like that, all that, that's a whole system. That's just, you know.
1: And that's why we really need to educate ourselves about that too. I mean, there's a reason why we don't know these things, you know, (laughs)
2: like
1: there's a reason why, like, yeah, America's the land of the free. But, you know, this is kind of what I like to revert it back to. Like, when I went to Catholic school as a kid, I used to get... You went to
0: Catholic school? Yeah, my family
1: wasn't Catholic, but they're like, we want you to learn about religion. So they sent me to Catholic school, which is part of the reason why I feel the way I do about the church. Not Catholics. (laughs) I ain't got anything against folks that believe in that. But the church itself, I'm just like, "Mm, hmm, there's some issues going on here. Fair enough. But... um. Oh, I lost where I was going with that. What was the thing I said before that?
0: Oh, we were talking about uh, just the importance of, like, voting. Oh, in yeah, and just,
1: like, knowledge and everything. You know, like, people just really, like, there's a reason why, you know, we aren't educated. And I like to think about, like, Adam and Eve. Mm. When I was a kid, I got sent to the hall because, you know, they're talking about Adam and Eve, and they're like, oh, you know, Eve was created from Adam to serve Adam, mm-hmm. and she's forbidden the apple of knowledge, yeah, yeah, but they have freedom and free will. And I remember I like raised my hand and I asked, I said, how, how is she free? I was like, she was created out of him to serve him. And she's forbidden knowledge. So she doesn't know that she's a slave. Yeah. And they're like, go to the hall. <laughs> and, I was, like, and I was like, but that's just like, that's yeah. America. It's, like that's America. They're yeah. like here, we're the land of the free, but you're forbidden knowledge. Yeah. You're not free. If you're ignorant, like yeah. you can't, you can't, <laughs> oh, you know, like you so have true. to have knowledge. Like, yeah. knowledge is power. Yeah. There's a reason why there's so many, you know, if you look at like the 50s and 60s, there's a reason, reason why all these activists and these poets and these writers and these actors and musicians all died. Yeah. The
0: 60s. Oh my God. And
1: even now, if you look at just in the past year, or I'd say the past year and a half, since George Floyd was murdered and protests started, if you look at all the activists that started to get really popular, and then they died. Mm. So many. There are so many activists that have disappeared and are dead. That's crazy. Like, honestly, especially in these bigger cities up north where Mm. things are a lot more politicized there. Like, honestly, here in Memphis, you know, like, we... We have a lot of issues here that we obviously need to address, yeah. but it's not like it is, you know, up in Boston or in Philly mm. or, you know, you know, in New York, like some of these bigger towns up north where they were having a lot of the protests and stuff like, you know, it, it got a lot, a lot more real yeah. up there than it was getting down here in the south in terms of like police brutality and a lot of just, like, really shady government shit happening that nobody wants to talk about and nobody wants to address. Yeah. And that's just been completely just, like, under the rug. Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, the dang the dang capital was stormed. And we're like, oh. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Didn't even happen during the Civil War, but yeah. oh, well. I'm like, they didn't even fly a Confederate flag on the land during the Civil War, and they're doing it inside now. I'm just like can
0: i definitely contribute that to uh i guess whoever quote-unquote has the most power or whoever is got the biggest movement because mm-hmm. um god somebody was talking about dang what was that i saw something recently where somebody was like um if if somebody had killed a bunch of white girls instead of black is there recently a a group of black girls or something that had died?
1: Oh, oh, the, uh, the white, maybe the white lady, oh, fuck, I don't know her name. The lady that went in the Grand Canyon or somewhere out west with her fiancé or boyfriend or something like that? It wasn't that, that. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't okay. that? It wasn't that.
0: Because they were saying it was, like, a group of black girls that had, like, died or something and, or that got raped. I don't know what it was, but mm-hmm. they were saying if, that, if it was a bunch of white girls, then they would have, like, um... Close that case, like you know, wrapped up it mm-hmm. up, persecuted the person, like oh, and everything, yeah. like real quick. But it, that's that's something that's like a microcosm mm-hmm. of like how people handle things. Mm-hmm. Like if it doesn't fit their agenda, then they'll just get to it when they get mm-hmm. to it. But it, <laughs> that's that's how a lot of things have been going on. Like if if oh, something yeah. doesn't please the masses of the people who are in charge, and it's like. Why should we care that much? Like the George Floyd thing. Yeah, if that be, you you could say if that was a white dude, then that that would have been open shut case, like real quick. <laughs> so I don't know.
1: No, honestly, it's true. Like it really is true, and a lot of people don't <clears> want <throat> to to admit. Like, yeah, white privilege is very prevalent. Like we need to talk about it. Like racism is like found da- like the country. This like this is what gets me like this country was literally founded and built on colonization working yeah this is the only country in the world (laughs) that was founded on people colonizing and it working yeah so i'm like yeah we inherently have things that are systemic that we need to address and that is definitely one of them like indigenous peoples Like, you look at reservations. Indigenous women have a 10 times higher rate of being murdered and kidnapped than any other woman in this country, and it's from people coming off the reservations. Ooh. But they don't talk about that.
0: That's crazy.
1: I (laughs) mean, indigenous peoples just...
0: Yeah, they've got it the worst. And That was the girl that I I dated that had depression. mm -hmm. She was Native American. And, like, just seeing... That was another thing. Like, Mm -hmm. so... When I would, like, talk to her, like, have a serious conversation with her, she, like, her body language was just, like, shut down. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, like, look at me. Like, mm-hmm. let's let's talk. And she was like, sorry, that's just that's just my people. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how we are. And I was like, like, that just blew my mind. Yeah. Because I was like, I couldn't imagine saying those words. Like, that's just my people. Mm-hmm. We just shut down. And I was like, that's Cause, so depressing. Well, because like, when that's you sad. think
1: about it, you know, you think about, like, Black people, you know, the past 400 years, they've been enslaved. Indigenous peoples had it 300 years before that. Yeah. So, like, th- not saying that it's any harder for anybody else yeah, or anything yeah. like that. I'm not trying to, like, make comparisons. But I'm just saying, like, indigenous peoples, like, when you look at, when people are talking about how, you know, like, you can have trauma in your DNA. Yeah. From generational trauma. And, you know, we're that's becoming a conversation now. And we're actually, like, talking about how, like, yeah, there is generational trauma and trauma in people's DNA from how this community has been treated. Yeah. So it's like, you know, imagine indigenous peoples. Like, that That goes back even further, yeah. you know? And the country
0: was founded on kicking them out. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've... Uh, We're kicking them around. Like, 1973 is when the Religious Freedoms Act was passed. It wasn't until 1973
0: that, that indigenous
1: peoples could practice their religion without being persecuted by the
0: law. That's not that long ago.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm talking, like, people that went to residential schools are in their 60s Yeah, and 70s and 80s right now. Yeah. Like, people are still alive. And every indigenous person that's alive was a daughter or a granddaughter or a great-great-granddaughter or, you know, grandson of people that went through residential schools. Mm. Like, that's, you know, there's just... People don't talk about it. Like, yeah. people just don't talk about the history. I've been doing a lot more research on it because I started tracking my ancestry. Mm. And that's also, I mean, I already was interested in different cultures and stuff before then. But really, like, digging, because I did a DNA test and then linked it to my family tree. So I've just been, like, super digging. What would you find out? So, like, I'm like, I can yeah, pull up, up. <laughs> my DNA, give you the exact. Uh, what would you use, by the way? I used Ancestry because used ancestry, I could. Uh, right? I could link it to my family tree. And then I could also pay money to get access to, you know, like, censuses and things like that. Uh, And then people that also already did their DNA or have family trees, you can, like, link it. Yeah. So it's just so much easier to get knowledge Hmm. further back because it's such a broader network of, like, different information that can help you piece it all together. That's dope. Yeah. So it's really cool. So my DNA, as soon as it loads. (laughs) Okay. So I'm 54% English and Northwestern European. Okay. Wasn't surprised with that. Fifteen <laughs> percent Irish. I wasn't surprised with that either because my family is like, yeah, we're Irish. But I'm nine percent Welsh, which I was hmm. surprised by that. I was like, didn't know that we were Welsh. Because okay. pretty much, okay, to give you perspective, my family was like, we are Cherokee, German, Scottish, and Irish. All right. There and you I are. was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, that sounds that sounds reasonable. Reasonable, yeah. right? So then I'm eight percent Norwegian. I'm 6% Germanic European, so not mm. German, but those were the peoples that were like tribal peoples that were kind of like on the southern, southeastern belt okay. of the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire was encroaching upon. Their land, Mm. So they were trying to topple the Roman Empire like many other peoples, you know, back in history. So I was like, oh, cool. I was like, (laughs) I was like, not, not German, but like, (laughs) but like the cool tribal people. I was like, cool. Then I was 5% Swedish and Danish. Is that what it's called if you're from Denmark? Okay, Danish. Then I was 2% Scottish. Very surprised by that also. And then I was 1% Nigerian. Hmm. And I was like, hmm. No indigenous DNA, but I tracked my ancestry and my sixth and seventh removed grandfathers were Cherokee chiefs of the Cherokee Nation
0: okay. and
1: yeah, and were like actually like big deals, like direct. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> so like my, my seventh removed, uh, grandfather, he was one of the first of six indigenous peoples to actually go overseas to sign treaties with the king. And then his son, Dragon Canoe, is known as, like, one of the greatest warriors in Cherokee history. Oh, wow. Yeah, he he started, like, the Chickamauga tribe, and he created, like, the very first peace treaty between, like, the Choctaw and the Creek and the Cherokee for the first time ever. Like, he led all the wars, basically, against the colonizers during, like, Dang. the French and Indian War and the Revolutionary War and all the time after that. And they said, essentially, if he wouldn't have died when he did, that Nashville wouldn't exist because it'd still be cherokee territory. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because basically while he was fighting and, you know, going to war, his people were being forced on the Trail of Tears. Yeah. So it was like a very, like Thomas Jefferson wrote about him and called him the Savage Napoleon because he would kidnap colonizers' children and burn them alive and do war dances around them. Dang. But when you think about it, like I did more research on Cherokee because I was like, ooh, that's... It's like that's rough, but <laughs> but when you think about it, Cherokee were really peaceful people. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to war. They only went to war if you killed their family. Because at that point, it was like spiritual warfare. Yeah. So and when they went to war, and they captured people, they didn't take slaves. They adopted people into their families, and they became a part of the tribe and a part of whatever family within the tribe adopted them in. So they didn't, and they were equals. Hmm. So, like, they didn't take captives and stuff like that. And then the Europeans come over, and they're scalping women and children.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, and doing all these, like, terrible things that, you know, these peoples can't even, like, fathom doing. Yeah. So they just became even more so, like, you know, that. I just, I don't know, it's been really sad because, like, reading about it and just being like, cool, my family is on the right side of history, but also realizing where the right side of history gets you and, like, how hard their lives had to have been because of that. Because I went further down, and from that, you know, we had people in, like, the American Revolutionary War. We had people in the Civil War. And then I was reading more about the folks in the Civil War, and I had people, you know, on both sides of the war in my family. And some of the people in my family were in the Confederacy, but they kept leaving to go join the Union. Hmm. And I found a letter of basically, like, this mayor boasting about hanging all the men in my family because they joined the Union, and they were Union sympathizers, and they kept escaping. So I was like, you know, I'm glad that my family is on the right side of history. And, like, it makes me, uh, like, finding that information out brought me a lot of peace. Because I'm somebody – I get really riled up Hmm. about, like, environmental rights and human rights. You know, like, things that innately should be. Yeah. You know, I get really riled up about. So, to know, like, eight generations back that all those people were just like me in regards of, like, yeah, we're fired up enough that we're going to do something about it. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel less alone in that regard because it's, like, my – my parents and my grandparents, my grandparents are older, so that's why they're more like, Zoe, <laughs> you know, stop, be safe. <laughs> you know, somebody's going to gonna get mad if you say that, you know. Yeah. But also they, you know, lived in Florida and would go to like all the marches and stuff back in the 60s and 70s. Okay. And my grandparents helped raise me. So it's like a big, like, are y'all really surprised that I'm as passionate as I am? But I don't know, just like learning my family history in regards to that, it made me just feel so much more like settled in my beliefs. Yeah. Cause I was like, I'm not crazy. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not crazy. I was like, these people are crazy. That yeah. they that they don't think that this is wrong. Yeah. I was like, I'm not the crazy one. I was like, my family wasn't. Maybe I'm a little crazy, but <laughs> you know, we all are. But anyways, with the DNA, back to the DNA. So I was really surprised that I didn't have indigenous DNA, but I had Nigerian DNA. I was like, What? I was okay. like, we don't, like, nobody in the family was like, yeah, we have somebody from Nigeria in the family. So for DNA, for you to actually have it, the furthest it could be out potentially is five generations. Okay. And that person would have to be, like, 98 to 100% whatever that DNA is, if you have, like, 1% of it from five generations back. Wow. So I don't have my indigenous DNA because they're my sixth and seventh generation. So it's, like, impossible for me to have that genetically.
2: Mm. But my
1: mom does and, like, my grandpa does, you know. So then I was like, well, then who was Nigerian in the family? Because it has to be a fifth or fourth generation back from me. Because my grandparents know their great-grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, and they saw them. So I was like, it has to be fifth or fourth generation. So I was just like, who, who could it have been? So my grandma, she had a great-grandmother that was Sue. And mm-hmm. there's no, like, it has to be this woman, yeah. essentially, because it's not on my grandpa's side of the family it's, it's my maternal DNA. It's not on my dad's side. Yeah. So it has to be like my maternal grandmother's side of the family where this DNA is from. Well, it definitely isn't my grandma. She is like porcelain skin, <laughs> black hair, blue eyes. So it surely ain't her. Yeah, yeah. Her mom looked exactly like her. You know, her dad, the same thing. So I was like, how, how, the, how the fuck am I having this DNA? Yeah. yeah. So she had this great grandmother who was Sue, and they all said she was full-blooded Sue, and she was very dark-complected and had dark hair and, like, black eyes. And she had a lot of black friends at that time. And mm-hmm. that, you know, at that time in America, you didn't, you know, there yeah. things were segregated. Yeah. Like, people were not, <laughs> were not doing that. Yeah, And it it has to be that woman that I had the DNA from Yeah, because she's five generations back from me. Mm. And she's the only possible person I could have gotten that DNA from. And I've been doing a lot of research about it. And, you know, at that time period in America, it would have been much safer to be a Sioux woman married to a European man yeah. than a black woman married to a European man. So I was just like, holy shit, you know? And it's just like I would have just always been like, oh, yeah. I'm Irish, German, and Cherokee, you know, if I wouldn't have done that research. And I was just like, it's just made me really dig more into history because my family was affected way more with a lot of, you know, historical things that were happening than I would have expected. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it shouldn't have had to take that for Mm. me to want to do further research, but... You know, here I am, yeah. and now I'm like, I want to know. I want to know all the things.
0: Yeah, I mean, some people would take that experience and be like, okay, that means nothing, mm-hmm. and then other people might take that experience, and now all their decisions are based off that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. from yeah. now on, they like, what would my ancestors do? Yeah. <laughs> so, um. and
1: I don't know. I feel like I'm a spiritual person too, so I feel like knowing about my ancestry a little bit I was like okay that makes sense mm-hmm. like it like I said it made me feel like more solid in my beliefs yeah. that I already had it didn't really make me change the way I thought or like how I thought or what I believed in it just made me feel more solid mm. in like what I believed in because I was like okay this makes sense
0: do you ever feel like you're kind of living your ancestors life
1: I think that's what we all do, in a yeah. way. Like, I feel like... I don't know. I My, my views on things are ever-evolving. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like the way I view spirituality is, like, how scientists view science. Like, this is what works until a better theory or a better, yeah. like, idea pops up. But I definitely feel like a lot of my beliefs, I base more on, like, indigenous ideas and things like that. Like, I think... Uh, you know, I like a lot of people joke about astrology. Some of the best philosophers that we still talk about now, like all the philosophers from the Roman Empire, used astrology. Mm. You know, like these people. You know, if if the moon affects seventy five percent of our Earth, and almost every single reproductive cycle on the planet, then why would the other planets not affect us? Yeah, that does that just doesn't. That, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, yeah. why, why does the moon magically affect everything, but nothing else does? Yeah. I'm not saying, like, astrology is, like, this is this and this is that. But I feel like these people, you know, they notice these patterns in nature and with the planets. And they realized, hey, these things happen when this pattern occurs. Yeah. Just like math with an algebra equation. Like, you know that if you have this, you know, this formula, you know, it's going to be this pattern yeah. every single time. And I feel like spirituality is noticing the patterns that the universe or that your ancestors or your spirit guides or angels or God or whatever you want to identify it as puts out there for you. And some people get it and they notice it and they can receive it. Some people can't. I can't. I won't say that they can't, but they don't mm. because maybe they're closed off from it. Yeah. I think everybody's capable of being aware. Like I definitely think we have a sixth sense, mm. you know, to things. And I actually, I saw a really cool study yesterday. There's a TED Talk where there was this clinical scientist, and she studied depression. And she always, she's talking about how she always looked at depression from a, like, clinical scientist perspective because she never experienced it. So yeah. she always looked at it as a disease and only that. Mm-hmm. And she went through her own experience with depression. And she then was like, actually, let me look at this differently. And she did a study of people that were clinically depressed. And they stayed depressed and didn't really get out of it. And then she did a study of people that were clinically depressed and they found spirituality through it. Hmm. And the same parts of your brain that start to wither and die when you're depressed, when those same people found spirituality or their version of it, it doesn't have to be like God. It could literally be like you like to work out and burn incense. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like this grand thing. It could be just hey, I meditate, or hey, I write a mantra on my mirror every morning when I wake up. You know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But she was saying that when people found spirituality through their depression and through, like, you know, really hard mental health cycles, through various challenges in life, whether it be, like, death, birth, you know, midlife crisis, but all these things that we go through inevitably through life that cause various degrees of depression. She was saying that those people's brains hardened and, like, tripled in thickness in the same places where they withered and died on people oh that didn't goodness. find spirituality through it. And she said that the people that did find spirituality through their negative mental health experiences and did find, like, this, you know, sense of peace, their brains and their skulls at the back were putting off the same frequency as the Earth's crust, like the same energetic frequency. Hmm. So these people literally were in tune to a higher conscious yeah. through like their mental health experience and I feel like I don't know I, I thought that was such a very like a very cool study for a scientist to to be like, hey actually let me <laughs> see let me see how this this thing that we don't really consider like a science thing yeah. you know how can how can we figure out the science behind it
0: there's something that I've thought about um So, earlier I was talking about, like, the whole birthday thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I recently thought about this, and I was thinking the reason why I feel like I get along with people, and, you know, that people have, like, the whole Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Mm -hmm. that type of stuff, is because, so I would say the average person, at least, I would say probably more than half of people um, enjoy a birthday. Mm -hmm. Like, they celebrate their birthday. Mm Um I was starting to think that the reason why people who are born around the same time frame uh, usually have the same kind of personalities or tendencies mm-hmm. or whatever is because of like the season. So mm-hmm. if you were born in December, you might be a more like family or friendly um Oriented type person Mm -hmm. because you know we've got Christmas and you know Thanksgiving just happened and like that's they call it the holidays type of time. So around your birthday, you know you were born in December Mm -hmm. and people are just like family-oriented things around your birthday. So Mm -hmm. I feel like you just grew up in an environment of hey, it's my birthday, and also we're doing family things. Yeah. So you are going to – you have the tendency to value family-friendly things. Mm -hmm. And then – or maybe it's just cold outside. So you might be – I'm just – these are just random thoughts. But you might be a bitter person because on your birthday, it's always cold and miserable outside. Yeah. So your mind is like, oh, my birthday is coming around Mm -hmm. and it's, it's cold and I can't enjoy it. Stuff like that. Or if you have a summer birthday, Mm -hmm. everybody's out doing fun things around the summer. So people who have summer birthdays are probably usually fun people Mm -hmm. because it's their birthday and they get to go out and have fun and do fun things. So, but that's just a random. (laughs) No, I
1: mean, like that, there's definitely, I feel like that there could be something to that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I just thought that that would be a a different kind of way mm-hmm. to look at why certain people who are born around the same time frame might have the same personalities mm-hmm. because you know whoever you are and if you enjoy you know astrology and um, if you enjoy what's the other term for like believing in that's not astrology is that astrology
1: astrology I feel like astrology the astrology is like the planets like if you believe in like you know gemini like all the zodiac yeah, yeah. Signs and Okay, so that
0: is astrology? Yeah, okay. It is I'm, astrology. I'm right no, right. no, no, you're so, good. It's astrology. So yeah, if, I feel like that is a way to look at people who agree with that because mm-hmm. um uh, many of people will try to help explain um religion or mm-hmm. any type of belief. So I actually read a book by shoot, I can't think of the guy's name, but uh, the book is called uh, it's it's something about like the the physics of Christianity. The guy literally he is an astrophysicist, uh-huh. and he uses physics to explain Christianity.
1: Ooh, that sounds like crazy. a book I'd be interested in. You guys send that to me. It's pretty crazy,
0: but um, so what he does is like he talks about. You know what the the shroud of Turin is?
1: That sounds very familiar.
0: It's the it's like a we never use the word shroud anymore, but it was like a cloth mm-hmm. that they put over Jesus's face, oh, when he okay, died. and that's
1: what they called it. was the shroud of torn. yeah, okay.
0: so it's got blood stains mm-hmm. on the the shroud because mm-hmm. it was like right after he had got crucified. Well, the Catholic Church, I guess, ha- had that shroud for forever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of I guess over time, people just did not believe that that actually was on Jesus's face. Mm-hmm. But you can like, you can see the, the, like the face print mm-hmm. from the blood. And, uh, but like the Catholic church just had it like up in, you know, I guess in glass or whatever. And so, uh, I think one day, I guess somebody convinced the church to, um, actually get it tested, like get mm-hmm. the, get the blood tested back. and uh, I guess carbon dated mm-hmm. or whatever. So they got it tested and, it came back like the time frame was completely off. Like it didn't. There was like, it was, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of years oh, yeah. away from Jesus's time frame, and so it was like Catholic Church was like, oh, but then somebody realized they were like, hold on, wait, um, because of how you preserved it, this carbon dating is probably going to be off. Mm-hmm. So, I don't. I can't remember what he said in the book, but it was along the, the lines of it still could possibly been on Jesus' face mm-hmm. because of um, the issue they had with actually carbon dating it mm-hmm. correctly. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. Like he actually did the research yeah. on, <laughs> on that kind of stuff. That, that was is some, cool. There was something else he used. Oh, he talked about like, um, you know, the story of um, Moses and the Red Sea, like mm-hmm. part in the Red Sea. He um, – He actually looked up the, I guess, like, the weather in Mm -hmm. that part of the earth at that time frame, and if you basically, like, do the research, Mm -hmm. it was a possibility that storms in that area, like, they would have, like, really big storms, like, Mm -hmm. uh, what was, I think it was, like, India or somewhere, had a massive tsunami come through one time, um, but, yeah, he was just talking about how it was possible for a storm to come through around mm-hmm. that time frame that would have moved, like, large bodies of water. Like mm-hmm. a tsunami. That's yeah. what a tsunami does. So, he was like, yeah, that, that might have been what happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, thousands of years ago. Oh, yeah. If anything happened, people had an outlandish story about it. Like, that's why oh, we have, yeah. like, the Loch Ness Monster. Like, Loch Ness oh, yeah. Monster could have been a giant whale. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know because that story has been probably changed over time. Oh, yeah. So if Loch Ness, you know, really exists or if it doesn't, it could have been something Mm -hmm. that people just didn't know how to explain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, you're right. Like think about that. Like they they had no way of explaining that.
1: It's just like with gods and goddesses, like I find ancient aliens so interesting because I'm just like, aliens (laughs) definitely have to exist, definitely exist. Yeah. But it's just like, yo, like, it could have been like, there's, in Mesopotamia, there's literally like cave drawings of them being like, yeah, these giant, these gods came in on these giant flying turtles. Mm. What would look like a turtle? A big disc, a big saucer, a spaceship. And then you have, if you have beings, humanoid beings coming down from other places, like, duh, these people are gonna be like, oh my God, they're gods. (laughs) Yeah, they yeah. came from the sky. No else to explain. And this it. big silver thing, and we don't even have metal yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know. So I definitely I feel like I I'm kind of with it. Sometimes I'm like, mm, I'm like hmm, that that theory lines up pretty solid.
0: Yeah, I saw uh, some documentary. I think it was on like Netflix or something where they saw some drawings of. I think it was like you know maybe like the Mayans or something. Mm-hmm. They had drew a person like riding uh like a craft that kind of looked like a like a like on Star Wars mm-hmm. where they're like riding like a looks like a a space type motorcycle mm-hmm. and that's basically what they're riding. and they had like this it was a like you know semicircle over mm-hmm. their head which would be you know what we view as like a like a hel- helmet like a space yeah. helmet and I was like, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, they drew all of that. Well,
1: think about like Apollo, like how he had the chariot in the sky.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And he brought the sun with him. Like, I, like I,
0: have, you, have you read through the Bible?
1: I've read like through parts of it because of Catholic school. I yeah. will say I have not revisited the Bible seriously in like long parts so, since Catholic school, but.
0: <laughs> so, for the kind of person you are, I definitely would. So, yeah. Um, I definitely I, need to. Yeah. I I grew up very Christian. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I was in college, I started like just like church hopping. Like mm-hmm. I dated a girl and me and her, uh, would just like go to random churches yeah. just to see what they were like. And then one of my friends was like, that sounds interesting. So <laughs> me and him started like just mm-hmm. going to random churches, just seeing how like different churches yeah. like, preach. And then, um, one day I just decided that I was just going to read through the whole Bible. And I did that. Oh, I skipped like some parts that, so um, Leviticus talks about just like laws. So Mm -hmm. I think I read that, but numbers, numbers is super boring. Mm -hmm. That's a book of the Bible where it literally just talk. It literally numbers all the like families. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, literally just numbering off like tons of people. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh this is boring. So I that. Yeah, skipped you're out.
1: like, I ain't reading this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs>
0: so um but yeah, there's a lot of lot of stuff in the Bible that when I got older and actually read it, I was like, oh snap, that's pretty crazy. Like mm-hmm. uh it talks about somebody was talking to I think it was like somebody was talking to God or something like that. And God said something about uh he was gonna number people's days to, like, such and such amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, it was around 100 and something years. And I was, like, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So I looked up, like, who the oldest person, like, that we have record of, like, actual record Mm -hmm. of. And it's it's around, like, 120 or less.
1: I saw, actually, funny that you said that. I saw yesterday night when I was scrolling on my phone before I went to bed, that the oldest person in that we know as of right now, just died recently, and they're 127 years old. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" That's
0: so old.
1: Born in like the 1800s. Where were
0: they? Where were they living? Or like, what was their? I
1: think they were in America.
0: They were in America. Yeah,
1: they're okay. definitely in America. I just don't know where in America. But I was like, "Dang!"
0: That's wild. something that. Um, so me and Rachel were watching something. It was that. Um, was Zach Efron? Mm-hmm. Did you see that uh, show he had? Which. I think it was, like, a six-part, like, docu-series or whatever, but I think I think I
1: saw, like, previews for it, but I never, like, watched it. I think it was about, like, food. Okay. But
0: he he just, like, goes to different countries and, like, um, Mm, learns mm -hmm. about their food and whatnot. And I think he was in Italy, and, you know, he's eating pasta, and, Mm -hmm. and they're, like, showing how they make the pasta, and he's like, oh, my God, this food is amazing. And then he starts hanging out with, like, this really old dude. And the guy's, like, showing him what he does every day. He's like, mm-hmm. I wake up. And then, he, you know, old Italian man, he's probably mm-hmm. about this tall. And um, he, like, wears, like, this suit. And he wakes up in the morning goes for a walk. And that's what he does every single morning. I think he walks, like, a mile or, like, two miles yeah. or something like that. And um, the dude was, like, I want to say, like, late 80s or early 90s. And he's going for these, like, mile walks and it's Mm -hmm. like in the italian streets so it's like just like every movie you see it's yeah it's like paved with like rocks and stones Uh, yeah and heels and whatnot he's not yeah it's not an easy walk yeah it's not an easy walk and he was like the reason why i do this is because i want to be able to continue to move Mm -hmm. and that's why i walk these hard roads to walk is because my body is going to get used to it Mm -hmm. and so i won't get stagnant and Zach was like, "Man, I'm going to start going for walks all the time." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I'm
1: going to start walking."
0: And that that made me think because Rachel loves going for walks, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, "Walks are so boring. Like, I want to, I want to run or like do yeah. jumps or something. I want to do an exciting exercise. I want to yeah. walk." But that made me think about you know different parts of the world mm-hmm. and how they view living.
2: You yeah. know, like
0: as I said, this Italian guy, and it was some other people. Mm-hmm. They just viewed living differently as like you know the quality of their mm-hmm. food like they made their own pasta and their breads from mm-hmm. scratch and all the time they aren't going to the store and buying bunny or mm-hmm. or um,
1: yeah or wonder bread <laughs> <And> i think <laughs> that's a big part of us being like a capitalist society though yeah too. like that's just a big part of it like here most people because the trickle down theory doesn't work <laughs> so, 40, I think they said 60% of the country annually makes $40,000 a year or less.
0: 60% of the country?
1: Yeah, that was before the pandemic. Wow. So, when you think about that, $40,000 a year is the poverty line where we live mm-hmm. if you have like one kid. Oh, wow. Like one or two kids, it's like the you're like at the poverty line. If you have four kids, you're below it. Mm. If you're making $40,000 a year that's not really shit to yeah, live yeah. on yeah. like in the south where it's very affordable to live here mm. that's not a lot so in regards to that like you have to think about how many people across america are literally working themselves to death to just survive and True. then that number doesn't even include all the homeless people i mean we have like a million homeless people just like off of skid row
2: mm.
1: you know like that's a lot. Like, you know, so we're not even getting numbers on, like, the people that are really being, like, royally fucked. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just the capitalism's a a real bitch. <laughs> like, real, real shady bitch. It's,
0: it's it's good. I think
1: it can work if if the right parameters are set. Correct. But you can't expect people to be morally just on their own accord. Yes. When, yeah. In regards to money.
0: Like, I think... Ultimately, capitalism is the best way to live. Mm-hmm. But it's like you have to get things in order to mm-hmm. get there. And then if everybody's not on board, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, I, I guess I would have to say even like socialism mm-hmm. doesn't – I, I no, I would say socialism can work even mm-hmm. if everybody's not on board. Because it's more of a like everybody gets to eat. Yeah. And every, like everybody mm-hmm. has something. But I think the combination think capitalism of work. the two oh, needs yeah. to happen. Oh, yeah, Where it's like sure.
1: we take socialism in regards to like everybody has innate rights mm-hmm. that they as human living beings innately have. So we'll use socialism to ensure that nobody goes without those things. Yeah. But then I think having like capitalism as like the main, you know, main thing. But you have to flat tax. Like these billionaires and millionaires... Need to pay fucking taxes. Yeah. Like for that's sure. why our treasury is gonna run out of money on the eighteenth. Yeah. Is because those motherfuckers ain't been paying taxes <laughs> and I'm sitting here paying taxes. And you know, not only this, but like during the pandemic, the US government gave seven point three billion, not million, billion dollars to the Catholic Church. Out of our COVID relief funds. Oh, my God. Which were tax-dollar funded. Oh,
0: my goodness. All right,
1: so it's tax-dollar funded. So basically, we didn't get our stimulus checks because the Catholic church got $7.3 billion of it. And all that money went directly to churches that had filed bankruptcy because they used all their money to cover up sexual assault charges. So my taxes paid for priests to be able to go rape more people.
0: That's insane.
1: During a pandemic, when more people lost their homes and their lives than the past, like, 80 years. Yeah. You know, from anything that our government's been unable to handle. Yeah. So, just, like, things like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, trickle-down theory doesn't work when uh, you got, you know. Also, too, like, when you look at all these new policies and stuff being passed, like, Christian theology is in the government. Like hmm. it is deeply like seeped into places like Texas, yeah, and because a lot of these laws that are happening, they would not be happening if this person did not have a Christian belief system, like you can tell that it's their religious ideology that's pushing this and not practical knowledge that's best for the people, oh yeah, it's for best sure. for this group of people
0: for sure and i th- I think they I think a lot of politics do that, mm-hmm. like they it's almost like they have an agenda. Like, okay, we get votes oh, if we do. do this, and then if this doesn't work, then let's talk about how mm-hmm. religious we are. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's like, like you have to you have to fit a agenda that the masses will mm-hmm. be happy with.
1: Just like the abortion stuff in Texas that's passing. Like oh, those yeah. laws are not being based on science.
0: So, it ended up They're, happening with that?
1: It's as of right now, it's like in effect. I don't know, like the details, you know, of it but in terms of like how it's an effect and how they can make it not be an effect, but i know as of right now like it's an effect. So it's, abortion
0: w- was so or wasn't legal?
1: It was legal, but okay. basically since the Supreme Court in Texas decided to not do anything, this is kind of making Roe versus Wade in Texas like not a thing.
2: Hmm. So
1: basically this new abortion ban, it's a 6 week bill. That's stupid. Hmm. Most people don't know that they're pregnant six weeks. Yeah. That, like, they don't know. They don't know. They
0: had a whole TV show. I didn't know I was pregnant. (laughs) They don't don't
1: know. Like, they just don't. 27 weeks is when a fetus can survive outside the body. Okay. So up until 27 weeks, somebody should be able to get that aborted. Mm. Because it's technically, scientifically, not a living being if it's reliant on another body to sustain it. Yeah. You know, it's not fully developed. And I hate to be like it, 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 but you have to think about the living person mm. that is actually already a human and is fully developed and has emotions and a brain and mental health and a physical body. You know, that's wh- who should be thought about, not like this idea of life mm. that's not even con- like fully conceptualized yet. And basically this week, this, it's a six-week bill. So after six weeks, you can't get an abortion. Nobody knows they're fucking pregnant in six weeks. Mm. Like, so that right there already shows you that this is based on some type of religious ideology and not science. Yeah. Then there's no exception for incest or rape. So mm. you're telling me a nine-year-old girl who starts her period could get raped by her fucking father, and she will be forced by law to carry that baby to full term even if it kills her or calls causes irreparable damage to her organs for the rest of her life.
0: That's crazy. And you know what communities
1: are about to be hit with it the worst?
0: (laughs) All the poverty communities.
1: Yeah, everybody that's impoverished. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the privatized prisons are in the same places that the plantations were. And now we're about to, right before the pandemic, conservatives were freaking the fuck out. Because they're like... This generation isn't repopulating enough to sustain the current population we have. Mm. So you know what that means for politicians and big business owners? They don't have bodies to make them money.
2: Yeah, To yeah. work
1: in their freight, you know, warehouses and yeah. to work at Amazon and to work in these privatized prison systems for them to profit off of. For them to get cancer and make money off of in the pharmaceutical companies. If there's less people, there's less money. Yeah. Right? So how are we going to change that? We're going to create this ridiculous fucking abortion ban. Well, you gotta have the that, children. <laughs> that will literally affect basically all of the lower income communities, which are majority people of color. Yep. And it will force them to have children, who then will be basically foddered back into the system of hey. We're not going to set you up for success. We're not going to give you a home that's stable. We're going to give you water that poisons you. Your air quality is going to poison you. You're in a food apartheid, so you don't have access to food other than what gives you cancer. If you get cancer, you don't have health care, so you're going to just lay up in bed until you die. You know, it's just, like, all these things, and it's just, like, it is planned out. Like, these people plan this shit out. Like, Hitler and Stalin did stuff. Like, literally this book I'm reading, it's called Caste And it talks about the caste systems in the world. The one in India, the one in America, which is racism, and then Nazi Germany. And they talk about how Nazi Germany was fundamentally based upon the Jim Crow South working. So you can't tell me our fucking government isn't doing this shit on purpose. You can't tell me that they're not attacking these communities that are lower income of color and forcing them to... Like, no exception for incest or rape. How cruel could you be to make somebody mentally and physically go through that? Yeah. Like, how cruel? Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, they're doing that shit on purpose. Yeah. They need more bodies in their prisons that they're building. They need more bodies in their oil refineries, you know? They need more people to buy pills from the pharmaceutical companies.
0: Speaking of prisons. I didn't know how crazy the prison system was. I didn't yeah. know that, I I don't know, maybe nine out of ten. It's some ridiculous stat. Mm-hmm. But the majority of prisons are, like, privately owned. Like, oh, yeah. somebody yeah. owns those. Like, I didn't know that.
1: Like, this is my thing. Like, slavery was never abolished. It says in our Constitution that slavery is legal as long as it's punishment for a crime. And then we privatized our prisons and put them on the same fucking plantations that those people's families worked on.
2: <laughs> That's crazy. They're
1: literally like in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, yeah. Tennessee. Look up where the the state penitentiaries are.
0: All plantations?
1: They're all on plantations. Like it, it is the it literally is the exact same thing that was happening, except now we've taught an entire generations of people That it hasn't been happening. Mm. So now these people, since George Floyd were murdered, are slowly starting to wake up, but it's not happening quick enough. Like, the white community needs to fucking educate themselves. And they need to be humble. And they need to realize, like, we're not right all the time. Like, we need to educate ourselves. White ego exists. Like, there are all these things that, like, fundamentally, we inherently learn because we benefit off of a caste system that we live in and it's just like even if you aren't actively participating you're participating yeah. because it's there it exists so it's like I, that's why I'm really trying to educate myself because mm. I'm just like I need to I need to be aware like if I'm gonna make a difference and actually change shit I have to actually be aware of the shit that's happening yeah and I by no means, am like a genius or a specialist <laughs> or know all the things. But I'm trying to I'm trying to educate myself. Like I'm open to hearing people be like, no, actually you're wrong. Or no like how you're saying that could be offensive. Like I yeah. want I want people to tell me. Like I want to actually do the right thing and actually help and yeah. actually make a difference and not sit here and be like, oh I'm going to but I'm not going to take anybody's advice or listen to anybody or, you know, be humble like And that's why I was saying back to the wreck, like being so humbled and humiliated at like such a like, it was such just like a, uh, I don't know, my whole life I've been an athlete my entire life. Mm -hmm. Always did CrossFit, always did like co-ed sports, was very athletic, very in shape. I was doing like 20 pull-ups, run like a 615 mile. Like I was always in great shape. So for the very first time in my life ever to not... Be able to like yeah. make my body move. Whew. You know, it's like, it's, it, it really like, I don't have words to explain like how humbling it was, but that really made me realize like, no, you have to like, you have to be, and especially my experience too. Like I don't have insurance. So when I got in my wreck, I got the bare minimum care.
2: Mm.
1: I didn't get physical therapy, but the people that got in the wreck with me that had lesser injuries than me got 12 weeks and 16 weeks of it. Dang. Because they had insurance. Yeah. You know, I didn't get surgery, even though I needed it. Yeah. I didn't have insurance. So, you know, just like.
0: How do you feel now?
1: I'm basically my, so my last two vertebrae don't have disc at all anymore.
0: Oh my God. And
1: the doctor is kind of like, I don't know how you're fucking walking. Your nerves must be dead. And then my pelvis was like shattered. Oh. <sighs> And my sacrum, which connects your pelvis to your spine, was also fractured. Mm -hmm. So basically, I just feel pain, like, all the time, every day. And it's been something that, you know, I've been reading about, like, radical acceptance Mm. and, like, how radical acceptance can change your life. And I was like, you know what? I need to just radically accept (laughs) that I will be in pain every single day for the rest of my life. But it's just like, you know, it in the moments when I can accept that, I can forget about it. Yeah. But it's like in the moments where it's like that's all I think about and I fixate on it and I just want to like, you know, lose my mind. Mm. I want to just like scream, you know? Cuz it's like I can't run now. I yeah. can't exercise anymore or unless I'm doing like yoga or I'm walking.
0: You look fantastic though. Tonight. Well, I've been
1: trying to eat healthy since yeah. I can't since I can't be yeah, <laughs> lifted yeah. and stuff. But um you know, it's just been an adjustment. And that was kind of like my outlet too. Working mm. out and running was like my outlet. So to just mm. like readjust
0: Do you feel like you had to you had to find something else?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say I I don't know if I completely found yeah. found that thing. And I don't know if working out was necessarily that thing, but yeah. it was a thing. It was a thing yeah. that was doing it for me yeah. cuz I was like, "Oh, cool, I can push my body to to where it's literally like giving out on me and Mm. then i can push it even further because that's just what my brain is making my body do like my body can actually do more than my brain like i loved it i loved like pushing myself so hard that i literally would almost black out and not black out because i mentally would be like i'm not blacking out my body's got this yeah and i think that's also why i handled the the wreck i mean i wouldn't say i handled it great i don't think anybody can handle it great but i feel like i handled it well, considering I didn't have any physical therapy. I, pretty much the doctor was like, these are your injuries. Um, this is about the time that you should start putting weight on your leg again.
2: And mm. then was
1: like, here, get out. Yeah. And then I got x-rays, like, one more time, you know, after that. So, like, a very awful medical experience. But, you know, that was something, too. You know, that I was very, like, I've always had the privilege of having insurance or family that, you know, could ensure that, like, medically I was taken care of. So, for the first time in my life, I got to experience being fucked by the American medical care system. Yeah. And that, like, really got me fired up mm. about issues. Because, you know, it's one thing to hear about, hear about shit, but yeah. to actually be affected, to actually, like, have a doctor not give a fuck about you because you can't pay them.
2: Yeah.
1: And, like, to blatantly be like, yeah, you know. Like, like, literally, I'm like, I'll pay you out of pocket for physical therapy. And they're like, you don't have insurance, so we literally can't send you there, even if you can afford to pay for it, because you don't have insurance. You have to have oh, insurance what? representing you.
0: Oh, my God. So
1: I couldn't get surgery I needed, because I did not have an insurance company representing me, even if I had the fucking cash in hand in front of their face.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So then think about all these lower-income communities. Wow. Like, you know, like, I'm coming from good circumstances, not great, but I'm yeah. coming from, like, good... Like, my family, you know, we we never had it super bad. Like, we weren't wealthy, but I had everything I needed. Yeah. And I had shit I wanted. Yeah. You know, on, like, my birthdays and holidays and stuff, so I can't complain. But, like, people that literally, like, don't have shit, I'm just like, they're completely fucked. Yeah. You know? And um. I've really, like, I love O.V. Wright. Have you ever listened to his music? No. Credible soul artist. Like... Willie Mitchell, he's the engineer that recorded, like, Al Green and Aunt P-wolves. So his son, Boo, runs yeah. Royal Studio, yeah, which is in South Memphis. Been trying to get
0: him on this podcast. It's, yeah, it's been Boo's,
1: failing. Boo's but, great. Him yeah. and his family are incredible. Like, I only have good things to say about those people. And, you know, it's even more incredible is that Royal Studio, it's the third oldest, longest consecutively running studio in the world. Oh, wow. And it's Black owned in South Memphis.
0: That's crazy. And that's
1: fucking badass.
0: That's dope.
1: <laughs> Dude, and that's why I'm like, Memphis, that community, that community has really like changed the world and it's yeah. really built the world and it's getting shit on like <laughs> so bad. It's getting shit on so bad.
0: That's crazy.
1: So bad. But um, Willie was his father, and Willie recorded, you know, like, Al and all them. Mm. And uh, he recorded O.V. Wright okay. in Memphis. Re- O.V. didn't record all of his music here, but he recorded uh, some of his music with him. Mm. And I was reading an article where Willie Mitchell was saying O.V. Wright had the best voice that he'd ever heard. And I was just like, yes, he fucking does. <laughs> like, O.V. Wright is so good, you have to look that man up. Yeah, I will. But anyways, he does this version of Ghetto Child. And it's on this album that he has called Memphis Unlimited. And he recorded the album in, in Memphis at Royal. And in the song, you know, he's basically talking about a kid living in the ghetto. And, you know, he says in the song, like, he wails out, like, my mother, she lays in the bed almost dying. And he's talking about all those folks in South Memphis, like, they mm. got cancer, can't get treatment. And they're laying on the bed dying.
2: Mm.
1: All the addicts that have kidney failure can't get treatment, so they're laid up on the bed dying. And then right after that, he's like, I haven't seen my daddy in a long time. And it's just like, you know, and then the next line, he says, I went to school one morning, and the teacher told me next time, you know, next time you're here, son, try to put on some shoes. And it's like, these are stories, these are songs literally talking about our community. Yeah. Like, that is the reality of our community in the 60s and 70s and now. Yeah. Like, it hasn't, it really hasn't changed. And that's why I'm like, I have to educate myself. And I'm such, like, a talker. I love to learn, and I love to, like, spit back what I (laughs) learn. So I feel like that's all I do is I just learn shit, and I spit it right back out at people.
0: I I know you were talking about, um, you know, wanting to actually live in the community. Mm -hmm. And that's something that...
1: Because everybody's scared of the community. And I'm like, it's not a scary place. Yes, there's violence, but it's for a reason. It's not like, there's not just... Like, I, I don't know. I, I drive through there all the time. Like, I'm there all the time. I yeah. know people there. Like, it's not, it just bothers me so much when you look at media. And even people that are from the city, how they talk about that part of the city. I'm like, have you ever fucking driven through South Memphis? Mm. Like, you ha- have you ever gone there? But you're going to sit here and be like, oh, the gun violence. And, you know, I know I am saying that a day after, you know, what happened at that school.
0: What about what happened in Collierville? Dude. That's Collierville. <laughs> you wanna talk about South Memphis being bad? Yeah. Like Collierville have oh, a Oh, Yeah. Like that's that's supposed to be one of the nicest areas and uh-huh. boom.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like it's not
0: It happens everywhere.
1: It happens everywhere. Yeah. It honestly does. Like it happens everywhere, yeah. and I feel like that's just another thing that like they do. They're like, this place is violent. These people are violent people. They're addicts. They yeah. do that so nobody thinks about them, and so nobody wants to go and help them or reinvest in them or visit them. They do that so people forget about them. Mm. You know, like these people aren't just inherently violent and ignorant and addicts and all these nasty things. Like, like you know, there's this uh, there's this homeless guy named Carlos that comes up to work all the time, and he's super cool. You know, and some people at work really, really irritate me sometimes. Where you work? Uh, I work at Sun Studio. Sun, okay, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes people at work irritate me, and I understand where they're coming from because he'll come in, and he'll talk to me for, like, 20 minutes, and they're like, we don't need a homeless guy in here for 20 minutes just talking to you. Like, you need to take that shit outside. And, you know, it, it, really, it really pissed me off. Mm. But I didn't say anything because I was like, it's not my business. And I'm just employed here, <laughs> so whatever. But it just really pissed me off because it's just, like, that's an example of him not being treated like a fucking human when yeah. he's a human being. And, you know, Carlos, like, he has been homeless, from my understanding, for, like, the past 20 years or right. more. You know, he was an addict and got clean on the streets. Don't know how he fucking did that. That's impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. He's been stabbed numerous times, shot numerous times. Like, he showed me where he's been stabbed and shot. And he is the most wholesome, most genuine, like, kindest human being that I've ever met in my life. Mm. Like, so kind. Like, I've never met somebody more kind than him. And if I had to live half the circumstance that he had to live, I would probably be a piece of shit. Yeah. And that's why it makes me so mad, like, when people treat homeless people like shit, because I'm just like, there are so many homeless people that deserve so much more out of life than the people that have fucking life to live. You know, like, and I don't know, it's just like, I don't, that's why I'm like, I got to, that's why, I don't know, I can't meet people like that and not be affected. Like, I I hear stories, and I hear people's experiences, and that affects me. Mm. You know, like, I feel like I'm very, uh, like, energetically in tune with, Mm. like, my environment and the people in my environment. And, you know, I live in Walls, Mississippi, so I take Third Street, basically, to, uh, All the way down till I get to work. Like, I'll take 3rd Street to East Macklemore if I'm going to Midtown, or I'll take 3rd Street all the way down till it turns to BB King, you know, when I'm going to Sun. So I'm driving through that community every single day. Mm. And I see the issues every single day. And I also see the potential. Like, I drive through that community and I don't see a bunch of empty lots and You know, just like vacant buildings and violent people and people that just don't want to help themselves because they don't want to work and they want a government paycheck or whatever the fuck people want to say. I see a community that has never been properly invested in. I see a community that has created the culture that we profit off of for tourism. And they also supply the labor to our freight industry, which is the freight industry like of America. Mm. We're like the freight capital of the country. Mm. So these people literally are our economy.
2: The
0: backbone.
1: And look at how they live. And nobody should be living like that. Like what pissed me off the most, I've never been to MLK Park before. And three weeks ago I went for the first time because I was like, I want to go. I was just exploring. I was like, I've never been to this park. I've been to a couple of the other parks in South Memphis, but I've just never been to the MLK Park. Mm. So I went there and I'm pulling up and I'm like, I'm like, is this really, like, the driveway to get here? And I was like, no way. And I'm like, my GPS has got to be wrong. Because mm. I'm pulling up, and I'm in the driveway to the Valero Oil Refinery. Mm. And then 150 yards before you get to that chain link gate, there's a fucking split off that goes to MLK Park. Mmm. And I'm just like, they built that shit there on purpose, yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, I'm going to get that fucking oil refinery shut down in my lifetime.
0: <laughs> I'm going to get it shut the fuck
1: down. I'm like, Valero, I'm coming for you. I'm oh, like, man. get your South Memphis location, shut the fuck down.
0: Yeah. Is So is this, um so I go to, you know, is this close to President's Island?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I mm-hmm. I have to drive over there because I work for Owens Corning and um there's, their uh, their asphalt plant is mm-hmm. down that way, so I th- kind of know what you're talking about. You, it's like you're you drive over the the train tracks. Mm-hmm. Now, where is it from there? I think that Valero is like right.
1: Yeah, it's there. so literally like you you go into the Valero driveway, mm. and it literally like splits off to MLK Park. Like oh. they share a driveway. Mm. They share a driveway.
2: That's so that wild. refinery
1: has taken 10 years off of every South Memphian's life. Yeah. And they put that bitch right on MLK Park for a reason. Because, like, historically <laughs> that land there, too, like, you know, Chuck Alyssa is there and everything. And, like, historically all that land was, like, indigenous land before mm. plantations got put there. And those were all plantations where all those freight in, you know, refinery or refinery and all the factories and stuff are over there. Mm. So – that's also, like, another example of, like, systemic things, like, happening in a community. Because that's what I'm trying to do, too. I'm trying to, like, really research Memphis history. Because I'm mm. like, okay, how do you actually, like, fix a problem if you don't know how the problem was sourced? Yeah. So I'm really trying to, like, do due diligence, you know? Because I want to do things right. I don't want to be one of those people where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm helping. And I'm really, like, hurting more than yeah. I'm helping because yeah. I think that I'm helping. Like, I want to actually...
0: So how do you feel about all this knowledge you're gaining? Because I've heard something one time and I I completely agree with it. It was like the the more knowledge you get, like the more sad you become. It's because you you find out things. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, when you're a little kid, you think your family's great, nothing's wrong. And then you find out, you know, your dad beats your mom and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's like the more knowledge you gain, you actually end up becoming more sad because you learn about all these bad things. Mm -hmm. But... You don't seem like you're you're sad. You seem more fired up to make change. So.
1: I definitely get very sad. Yeah. Like, I will say, like, I would say that I'm, I don't know. I may be bipolar. I may not. But I definitely, <laughs> like, I definitely have periods where I have tons of energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, a workaholic. And then every once in a while... You know, I, I pick up on patterns. Yeah. So I'm like, I notice, I'm very self-aware. So I notice patterns with my own, like, behaviors. And I can tell when I get in a slump. Mm. I definitely think being so aware of current events and how people basically just get fucked any which way around, whether it's, like, spiritually, emotionally, physically, you know, mentally, or all of them, you know, yeah. it, it definitely does wear on me. But... I also look at it like this, like, you know, if I'm not actively, like, actually making change, like, physically, like, tangibly, I'm not tangibly making change, then the bare minimum that I can do is bear fucking witness and be aware of it. Because I'm actively participating in this system of, you know, racism and white supremacy if I'm not aware of how it's affecting other people. Like, if I do not educate myself about what it's like to not be white in this country, then I'm participating in it. Mm. If I'm not aware of what's happening to those people, then I'm participating in it. Yeah. You know, like, just because it's mentally hard or it makes me depressed, like, how the fuck does it feel for people that get, you know, brutalized by the police? Or people that do live in... Communities that systemically, for generations, have never been properly invested in. Yeah. Like, how can I sit here and be like, "Oh yeah, it's too hard for me to to learn about what's going on because it makes me sad." Yeah. Like, I'm not living it. Those people are. So the least I can do is fucking bear witness. And if it makes me sad, then I need can feel that, and then I need to take that shit and use it.
2: Mm. Be-
1: and I was reading about where there was this mental health specialist. That was talking, she was giving like a brief and she was talking about how all these white people keep using their mental health as an excuse to not get involved politically. Mm. And to not do shit about the issues in this country in regards to racism. Yeah. And she was like, it's not an excuse. She was like, your depression and your bipolar disorder is not an excuse to allow atrocities to happen to human beings. Yeah, It's not. Like that's a cop out yeah. because you're benefiting from the system and it's too fucking hard to change a system that you inherently benefit off of. So yeah. you're gonna say, "Oh, my mental health prevents me from it."
0: That makes but, me think about the homeless people you were talking yeah, about that came like, like they they had nobody would blame them if they did not come and like yeah, help you out after the wreck. Everybody
1: would out of them. But like,
0: oh yeah, homeless people—they're not gonna help them out, but mm-hmm. they still came to you and helped, even mm-hmm. though they might have been barely functioning themselves. They mm-hmm. did something.
1: Yeah, and like I definitely get really sad about things like I definitely get upset I mean I also smoke everybody so you know, know chill chills me out you know I, maybe that's my secret mm. educate and then I smoke <laughs> <laughs> verse of sage <laughs> 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 but um but you know it's just I don't know it really pisses me off honestly when I try to have because I do think it's I, I don't think it's you know Minority or black and brown people's job to educate the white community. I don't think it's their job to fix these issues. Yeah. yeah it's for not. Sure. It's the community that benefits off of the caste system. For sure. You know, like it's our job to sit here and educate ourselves and to really put in the fucking work. Yeah. But that also means not thinking that you're a savior and not, like, gentrifying and actually being like, hey, what does the community want? What do they need? How can I just create opportunity and not, like, create what I think they want and what they need? But, like, how can I help facilitate opportunity so they can rebuild? But I'm also participating in that. Yeah. You know, I think, like, a lot of people think they just have to, like, hey, I'm going to come in and just, like fix everything. And it doesn't work like that. Like every community is different. Every community has different needs, different wants, different cultures, different ideologies, different backgrounds and histories. Like you can't just be an outsider coming in like, Hey, I'm going to fix all your problems, (laughs) you know? So I, I don't know the whole, like people just being like, it's too hard. Like a lot of people I'm, cause I get into it, you know, I Mm. will with my friends and my coworkers hear me just go off sometimes about, like, some of the shit where I'm like, this is wrong. Yeah. And I just, I get so mad. So I'll just, like, have my little rant about it. And sometimes, you know, understandably, some people don't want to hear it. But sometimes they'll be like, I just can't talk about this. It makes me too sad. Or it stresses oh. me out. Or it makes me too anxious. And that. that's when I get, like, yeah. angry. I hate that. Because I'm just like, you don't want to talk about it because it stresses you out.
0: Think about the people who are... Going through
1: it. Yeah. I'm like, you don't want to talk about it because it stresses you out. I'm like, fuck you. Like, you're honestly, like, people that are like that, I'm like, you're so fucking selfish.
0: That's a privilege to be able to say that. No. To be able to ignore it. That's a privilege. It is
1: privilege. Yeah. And it's, like, taking part in that fucking system. Like, Like, because even, like, sometimes, you know, like, people that are progressive and people that are, like, yeah, I'm an ally or I'm doing shit to help, you still have to check yourself. Like... All the time, yeah. and you still are going to fuck up and say shit all the time, yeah. because that's just a part of it. So people that are like, "This is too hard," I'm like, "That's not an excuse." Like, you don't get to be like, "This is too hard." Yeah, like it's it's not too hard. It's literally <laughs> yeah. like participate in not being a racist piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, like it's not that hard to give a fuck about other people.
0: Yeah, I use that same mentality with like working out. Like me and Ryan talk about that. It's mm-hmm. like. You know, if if you're doing whatever, like bench or something like that mm. or some squats and you're like, oh, man, this sucks. You know, this is hard. And it's like, yeah, there were people in the Holocaust.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: hard. Yeah. <laughs> and that sucked.
1: You know, and for example, like, okay, here's a prime example. I was in my car wreck, right? Every time I'd feel sorry for myself. I would – because, okay, so Boo Mitchell – his son, you know, he had gotten shot. Oh, yeah. I heard and about that, he was yeah. paralyzed. That happened a couple weeks before my car wreck. Mm. And I got in the car wreck. I can't walk. I'm not paralyzed. But seeing what happened to him and seeing him in a wheelchair in the studio, mm. like engineering and working, I was like, I do not get to fucking feel sorry for myself. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, look at him. I was like, look. Look at him! Like he's fucking working, and he'll he might not. He's probably never. Like the possibility, if you're paralyzed, you know, like some miracles happen, but you know he probably will never be able to walk again. Yeah. And then I was sitting there feeling fucking sorry for myself because I couldn't for three months. Yeah. So it's like anytime I feel sorry for myself, I try to like put myself into pers- into a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. But I also try to give myself the space to feel what I'm feeling because mm. I, in the past, have been really bad about where. I'm just like, I don't, I don't get to feel my feelings because people have it worse. Yeah. So we're just going to, like, you know, consolidate it, toss it here, and then, you know, you don't have it as hard as them, so don't you don't get to fucking feel that way. Like, yeah. you don't get to be sad because you're not homeless or you're not an addict or, you know, you didn't have this happen to you. So anytime I would feel sorry for myself, I would try to think of somebody that had it worse than me. Yeah. But I also was doing it to the point to where it wasn't healthy because I wasn't feeling my feelings out. I was just yeah. like, my feelings aren't valid because I don't have the hardest life out there. Yeah. So it's like, it was finding balance for me in regards to that. Cause it is hard. Like sometimes I do feel like I torture myself with how much knowledge that I read in terms of like current events and statistics, like just reading about the statistics. on like, what happens to people in this country yeah. and like just in our community, like I was saying, how many people go hungry? Like one in three kids starve in our city. That's too many. One in three kids, like,
0: that's way too many. You know, that's that's something that again. And how
1: do you expect them to learn? Yeah, we're like go to school and sit down for eight hours while you're starving and use your brain. Yeah, like,
0: that's that's something where um, you know I I believe the whole capitalism thing like I if make as much money as you want have as much money as you want but. I do believe that at a certain point, somebody who has that kind of stuff has to be like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm making this much and I still have it. That means I'm not spending all of it. Mm -hmm. Why not (laughs) help out the people who probably need it? But see,
1: if they actually got taxed at a flat rate like the middle class did, We'd have the funding yeah. to have government programs that actually worked. Yeah. You know? But I think that, uh, I don't know, I've been doing a lot of research, too, on, like, urban farming and, like, what other cities that are having similar issues are doing and, like, getting creative in regards to that. And that's another reason why I really want to buy a home and live in that community because I was like, I could use my whole front yard as a community garden. Mm. You know, I've I don't never even heard that term. I was before. like, I don't even have to like go buy a lot. Like I can have a community garden in my front yard where anybody in the community can just come up and, you know, take food yeah. that's free. Yeah. You know? And I it's just I have so many ideas, but I was like, I need to actually get involved, like physically, tangibly. I need to be a part of the community. Because I can't just be an outsider coming in with all these ideas thinking that I'm going to fix shit. Because yeah, yeah. that's why that's part of the thing where I was like, I have to educate myself. I can't just, like, rush in to, to helping. Because yeah. that's not really helping anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hurting people.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to be a, a drive-by patron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like,
1: yeah. no, I want to practice what I preach. Like, I want to lead by example. I don't want to just talk about it. Like, I yeah. want to live the values that I speak. You have, know? have you
0: talked to anybody about trying to start some sort of, you know, movement, some sort of plan or or anything like that. I
1: haven't. And that's kind of what I feel like the past couple months I've really just been like reading 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 and watching videos and now like I'm trying to start like meeting people that are already doing some of those things Mm because there are like things already happening in those parts of the community like I'm not the first person to have a good idea on what could happen to the community so there's people that are already doing stuff so I definitely want to reach out and like get more involved with the programs that already exist in the community that's already kind of doing that because I want to be a part of it I don't want to I don't want to create a community on top of one that already exists. I want to be a part of what exists. Yeah. You know, I want to coexist.
0: Correct, yeah. Yeah. Do you think that you could benefit from, like, looking at what other people are doing in, like, I don't know, like Detroit. Detroit's Mm -hmm. a pretty bad city. Um, And as we talked about, like Skid Row for Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. Do you think those help, or, or do you think... You really just need to specialize in what's going on in Memphis to help Memphis.
1: It's definitely given me a ton of ideas. Oh, I do okay. think that every city does, like like I was saying, has its own individual needs. But, like, I was watching this video in about uh, – this guy, and they call him a gorilla farmer. Mm. He does, like, TED Talks and stuff, and he basically started, like, gorilla farming. He Mm. was finding indigenous, like, he would buy indigenous heirloom seeds for indigenous plants that were native to the area that they lived in, and in every empty lot where there's businesses or houses where, you know, it's, it's empty because it's foreclosed or whatever, but since the government... It's just, it's real funny to me how the government can own a building or a property and it can look like shit. Mm. But if you own a property and anything is out of order, the government's like, give me some money, yeah. you know? Yeah. But then the government, and this also gets me too. So this guy, he's called a gorilla farmer because he's planting these seeds on like vacant properties that the government owned.
2: Mm.
1: Well, the government had an issue with that because he's doing something productive with their land yeah. in a part of the community that they don't want to invest in. So he actually like went to the city council and did all these things to where he actually created a program in their city where at like the little like empty like grass areas between like intersections and shit like that are community farms mm. now. And like he just started like grill farm, like throwing like wild flower seeds that are native like everywhere and all these empty lots to help pollinate, you, know, yeah, yeah. you know, pollinators come in. And, like, all this shit. There's people that, like, they beekeep on rooftops, Mm. like, in London. And it's some of the best-tasting honey in the world. Yeah. Because all the flowers in a city are all these beautiful native flower species. So you're not getting honey that's coming from purely, like, clover. And then it gets highly processed and pumped full of, like, sugar Uh, and water and all this stuff. Like, you're getting honey. You from you ever your had, community. Have
0: you ever had honey straight from like a comb or anything? Oh,
1: it's so good. I love to eat, eat like honeycomb on a piece of toast. Oh my God. It's so good. It's or a amazing. honeycomb, like I'll do like a honeycomb grilled cheese with like honeycomb, mm. but not with cheese. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, like honeycomb, <laughs> peanut butter, and like some bananas or strawberries <laughs> on some toast, like yeah, yeah. fried up in the pan. Ooh, it's
0: so good. That sounds good. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah, I, th- I think all those things, like.
1: Yeah, it's just, like, health, too, like, health, (laughs) like, why are people starving? Like, we have, okay, so in South Memphis, we have so many empty lots. I'm like, why not, on every street, take these lots that are empty, urban farm, Hmm. solar field. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's put solar fields, like, empty lots. Create a fucking solar field. Get these people off of MLGW's. Fucking back, like get them off of it, cause MLGW is raping our city. Yeah, like yo, know, the <laughs> rates in lower income parts of the city yeah. compared to like literally, I had a friend that lived in South Memphis, that had a smaller place than me, and their MLGW was like four ninety six a month. My shit in Midtown was like two eighty six a month.
0: Oh my goodness,
1: dude. Yeah, and I'm just like, they're. When you have shit monopolized, when you have utilities monopolized, they rape certain parts of the community. And that's what they're doing to them. And I was like, why not? We have empty lots. Cool. Let's put a whole solar field up in this empty lot that's literally just chilling with not shit on it. And let's hook up those houses to solar because in the state of Tennessee, if you have excess solar, the state buys it back from you. Hmm. So we could set up in these little neighborhoods where, say, in a street, you have 20 houses or 20 lots. And realistically, maybe you have only seven people living in homes on that street. Well, the houses that are still there that could be salvaged, we could create affordable housing with. Then the empty lots that are already empty, we could put solar fields we put urban farms aquaponic farms where now we're supplying fresh fish to a community so there's meat yep. that's fresh and not pumped full of shit that gives you cancer or i mean the fucking fish that they're fishing
2: yeah like that <laughs> shit
1: like literally radioactive fish these yeah. people are literally eating like chernobyl level waste from the, the waste president's island fish. the water <laughs> yes <laughs> Like, these people are literally, I can't. Like, I was like, so why are we not doing these things? Because if they had the food, they don't have to buy food. Their mental health and their physical health would definitely improve. Yeah. Because some people, the closest store to them is seven miles away. And they don't Mm. have a car. Yeah. The bus system sucks. Yeah. Like, really sucks. And the store that they have is a fucking corner store.
2: Yeah.
1: So all they have is soda. Highly processed meats and, and sandwich meats and snacks and, like, all the stuff. They don't have fruit. They don't have vegetables. They don't have meat that literally does not contain nitrogens or carcinogens, which is literally, like, that's what gives you cancer. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's a, a carcinogen. Like, that's what, it, that's what it is. That's what it does. And it says it on the package, like, here, eat cancer. Yeah. And that's all they have access to. So, I'm like... We need to, we do need to start urban farming, like, and not only that, but with how the environment is right now, like, climate change is happening, whether people want to wake the fuck up and realize that science is real, or if science is political, that's up to them, but, like, climate change is happening, whether people get with it or don't get with it, and the U.S. just this year did not produce enough food for us, so you know what that means, This country is wealthy, so they're going to be buying food from countries that already don't supply enough food for themselves. And food prices are going to go up astronomically. And within the next 10 years, if you look at how climate change is going to affect agriculture across the world, food will be a commodity. It will not be an accessible thing for all people. Man. So we have to start reinvesting in lower income communities in terms of like food. Because those those people are already starving. Yeah. And they're definitely going to be the first ones to get hit in regards to that. And if we had people that, if we had urban farms, we'd have more restaurants pop up. We'd have fucking food trucks that are like grocery stores on wheels where they pull up in neighborhoods where folks don't have cars or people are old. And it could be pay what you can because Mm. it came from a community garden. You know, like heirloom seeds. Like there's so many things we could be doing. Like, and they just don't. And, <laughs> that's and, the crazy part. In Tennessee, it's legal to collect rainwater because, fun fact, in America, it's not legal to collect rainwater in some places. Yeah, that's a law that needs to be fucking changed what? because that's a natural thing. You can't tell me I can't have water. Like, but <laughs> but, but in Tennessee, it's legal to collect rainwater. Oh so my God. all these houses.
0: That shouldn't even. That's oh, nice.
1: I know. But all these places like in North and South Memphis that have like pipes that like their pl- you know, their pipes need to just be like completely redone. Yeah. And ain't nobody got the money to yeah. fix like hundreds of thousands of people's pipes. But a short term fix could be rainwater collection systems.
2: Mm.
1: Like they're drinking water and the water they use on their skin, like they could at least use rainwater. Yeah. And we could be setting that up in communities too, like composting systems, like every community garden. Get in contact with a little compost fairy. They trade you a bag of mulch if you give them compost.
2: Mm.
1: You know, like there's so many, there's so many like ideas and people that are on the same, same like, you know, same idea, same track. Mm. It's just, I feel like everybody's just got to find each other. Yeah. You know, it's like the community just really like getting into each other and locking in with each other. Cause there's so many people that have ideas and are like involved in doing shit. It's just.
0: What do you think is. Like, step one of, of fixing, of, you know, you can't fix every issue at the same time. But, like, what do you think would be, like, the easiest one to target and like, step one, we just do this?
1: Step one, I would say, are three basic survival needs. Mm. Food, water, housing. Yeah. If you don't have clean water, you don't have accessible, clean food that's quality food. You're fucked. Yeah. Your health is fucked. Your mental is fucked. Everything about you is fucked. You're fatigued. Like, wh- how are you going to learn? Like, that's my thing too. Like, people are starving. If we got one in three people fucking starving, and you're wondering why they're fucking violent.
0: Yeah. Right? Like, yo. <laughs>
1: like, you know how fucking hangry somebody gets? Yeah. And they get food, and they're just getting their meal a couple hours late? Yeah. Just, Imagine yeah, being perpetually hours, yeah. fucking hungry. Every day. Every day. With no end in sight. Imagine working every single like ounce of energy out of your body every single day with no end in sight.
0: For a meal.
1: And not even to get that meal. Yeah. You might not get that meal until Thursday. What, you're whatever, so broke.
0: whatever your idea of a meal is at, mm-hmm. at that, yeah.
1: So that's why I'm like, that's the first step. Kids can't be educated if they're hungry. How can you expect a kid to sit down at a desk and learn? If they're fucking starving.
0: I also think fixing, like, kid nutrition in Mm -hmm. in schools. Like, even kids who have fine schools. And educating people. Because
1: that's another thing, too. Like, you can sit here and be like, yeah, I'm going to pop up all these urban farms and help these people that don't have access to food. You have to teach them about it. Yeah. Motherfuckers have been eating chips and Totino's pizzas and soda and sandwich meat their whole lives aren't going to be like, yeah, let me eat that kale. <laughs> you know, like they're not going to be into it. Like you have yeah. to also like there's the education factor. So it is yeah. like there's a lot that has to happen, and it does have to be like a community of people making it happen because one person can't can't make all that happen. Yeah, but it, it, I think it can, and it's it is happening slowly but surely. And there's other cities where it's working.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's. That's something that um, really started mm-hmm. all of the bad communities. Is they they got what they needed, mm-hmm. but didn't know how to keep it going, mm-hmm. and then it just you know went mm-hmm. downhill from there. And that's
1: what I think is about like creating sustainability. Yeah. Like everything, I think I think everything in life should be thought of of like you know is this hurting the environment or others? Is this sustainable? And is this logical? Yeah. Like that's how we should be looking at things. But sustainability being the most. Like we're America is such like a consumer based society now. And if you look at like like even at work, people come in and they're like, It's so crazy they didn't bulldoze the building, you know, when they put other businesses here. And I was like, Why would they do that? Mm. Like, you know, America in the fifties wasn't this consumer based nation. Yeah. Like we're post World War Two. Like they built shit to last, mm-hmm. you know. It was about sustainability. How can we sustain shit because we barely got shit? Yeah, you know. And now it's the complete opposite. It's like this this philosophy that nothing runs out, and it's also kind of like I've been, you know, when you look at like colonization and like colonizer history, like that's very much like a colonizer mentality that take, 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 and mm-hmm. never runs out. Yeah, as long as you take more. It won't go away, and I feel like that's kind of where we're going. It's just like consumer. You take, 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 but you can't you can't do that forever. Like, yeah. shit's running out. I so. think
0: Elon Musk said the craziest experiment we're mm-hmm. running is uh, the gasoline and, mm-hmm. like, the, the fossil fuels and stuff like that. He was like, this is the worst experiment because we're just burning that into the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's, that's a pretty good point. It's really bad experiment because we, we don't know like we, we just you know cars went to mass production what in the 20s or 30s mm-hmm. with the ford so that that's really like so true like we've only been doing this for about 100 years oh yeah we don't know how it's really going to affect mm-hmm. everything we we're, we're just guessing it's okay
1: <laughs> yeah and that's why like that's why i'm really big on this urban farming cuz with climate change being so bad like We have to stop polluting the earth, and we need to start, like, planting more plants to absorb the shit that's polluting
0: the earth. Yeah, all that carbon.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, they straight up said, like, if shit doesn't change in the next 10 years, within our lifetime, the earth will get so hot that we will all die of basically, like, heat strokes. Because our bodies will be unable to physically cool us. And within the next 15 years, there will be places on earth that will become that way. It's just going to take 50 years for the whole earth to be that way. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying we radically have to, like, radically have to change the way we culturally, like, look at things and handle things. Yeah. And honestly, the government has to change, too. And I don't mean change. Like, government slick does need to be abolished, you know? And everybody's like, abolish. Oh, abolish. <laughs> and it's like, no, it does. Like yeah. Like, in terms of, like, yeah, we need to abolish the fucking caste system that our government, like, built and created and is, you know doing all this shit off of like there's just so many things that need to just be like we need to eradicate and start fresh yeah because you can't you can sit here and like chop the weeds all day you know you could cut the kudzu but you got to pull that shit out from the root or it keeps growing back yeah and i feel like you can't fix something that's foundationally corrupt
0: absolutely and and i believe that if if people just take it like one step at a time, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's why I was asking like, you know, what do you think is the first step? Mm -hmm. Is it because I think a lot of times people try to bite off more than they can Mm -hmm. chew and then it fails and then they feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. So then they just like, they just give up. Mm -hmm. But if, if you come up with a plan that's like, all right, we're going to do this one thing and we're going to do this one thing really well. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go to the next thing and we're going to do this one thing really well. And then we're going to like, you just mm-hmm. have to build that system because when people just try to like, as I think you were talking about that earlier, just try to change everything at one time mm-hmm. and think, and think you can fix everything at one time. It doesn't work. It's, it's never worked. Like, <laughs> no, it
1: doesn't. Like you can't just be like, yeah, like you have to work towards it.
0: Yeah. And I, I believe that it can be done, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, fixing shelter, giving people good housing and and all that stuff. But as we were talking about, mm-hmm. like, it has to revolve around sustainability. Mm-hmm. Like you got to you got to educate people. You got to help them. You got to give them the resources to be able to mm-hmm. continue what they're doing, because if you don't, then it's just going to. Go back to the state that it was mm-hmm. in and they're not going to be able to do it and they're not going to be able to help themselves.
1: Yeah. And she's like, there's this one lady, I think it's in Philly. I want to say she's in Philly, but this one lady, she started a community garden and an urban farm and it's all medicinal herbs. Mm. And she has a drying hut full of like a library of books on how to create natural medicine. And it's just shit like that. I'm, like, honestly, like, giving people back the power. Because even, like, it's not just lower-income communities that are getting fucked. I mean, like, look at the middle class. The, the middle class. You know, like, look at the middle class in terms of food quality. Like, the food that we are given as a society is literally killing us. It's mm. giving us heart disease and cancer. And, you know, the same... I just, I was watching, like, I've been researching this a lot. So, like, a lot of the meat companies fund the National Organization for Heart, heart Disease and oh, Breast yeah. Cancer. I've heard about so, that. So, they fund those places, right? So, then you go on those places' websites, and the very first recommended meals they tell you to eat, if you have heart disease, is a meal with sausage. Mm. Well, what does sausage say on the package? Sausage says on the package contains nitrates and carcinogens. Mm. Nitrates and carcinogens are what are in cigarettes. Like, it's what that's literally what a cancer causing agent is identified by is a carcinogen or a nitrate. So, the number one thing that's proven to give you heart disease, they're recommending the people that are supposed to be treating people with it and helping people with it are recommending you eat it. Because the pharmaceutical companies make money off of you getting sick and dying. Yeah. You know? And it's just like all these different things are just like all playing into this giant puzzle piece. Yeah. You know? And it's just like it's – and so many people are unaware of it because they're forced to work so much, to have no quality of life, to not have the things they need, to eat food that literally is poisoning them and draining their energy and fatiguing them yeah. and then denying them access or knowledge to to any of that information unless they just like wake up with fucking clarity one day and decide to do their own
0: research. Yeah.
1: Like there's just so much shit that is not <laughs> not okay.
0: Yeah. Um what what kind of foods do you eat like I guess on a on a daily basis you're Your regiment of like what you try to eat.
1: So, I'm definitely a Miffian. Like, I love barbecue, love fried chicken. Like, fried chicken, honestly, is one of my favorite things to fucking eat. Mm. But also, I was trying to go vegetarian for a while. So, when I went vegetarian, I watched like tons of hours of animal farming videos because Mm. I was like, I'm gonna brain my like brain fuck myself. So, I never want to eat meat again.
2: Mm.
1: So, sometimes I can't eat meat. Because it, like, makes me nauseous because I think mm. about, like, the animal farming videos. But sometimes I do crave it and I'll eat it. Yeah. So I'm kind of, like, half the week, I eat meat as I crave it. But mm. for the most part, I love all fruit and all vegetables. Mm. Like, not picky. I'm picky about, like, condiments and sauces and, like, unhealthy shit.
0: Dude, I hate arugula. Arugula. I love arugula. Me and Rachel just hate arugula. I love it. Oh, my God. It's awful.
1: I love it on a burger.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, on a
1: burger, man, Belly Acres has this burger where you could get a slice of a tomatillo on it. Hmm. So I'll get, like, charred jalapenos, arugula, and, like, sliced tomatillo and guacamole. Oh, Oh my God. It's so good. It's like a taco burger. (laughs) (laughs) It's great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's something that uh, I've been really mindful of is – you know, just looking at the quality mm-hmm. of the meat that I eat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just the, the source of it. You know what I mean?
1: I, I'm very picky about what I eat in regards to that. So, like, yeah. if I'm buying my food, obviously if I eat out, you can't be as picky when you yeah, eat out. Yeah, so, yeah. when I eat out, I take that L.
0: But, but you can choose where mm-hmm. you go eat as exactly. well, Exactly.
1: So, like, today I got juice bar for lunch. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I'll go get raw girls, But, you know, sometimes that should be expensive. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't do it all the time. A lot, a lot of times it's cheaper to go to the grocery store and, like, get it yourself. Yeah. But honestly, like, I, I do have the privilege and the ability to go drive to Whole Foods mm-hmm. and buy meat and vegetables there. I mean, that's 45 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. But I drive out there because... I don't I I work when the farmers market happens so mm. I can't I can't go to the farmers market yeah. or else I'd be going there for my shit. But I don't I've so basically I've always been a healthy eater. Ever since I was a kid, I was really weird when I was a kid. I only ate fruit and like Cheerios. I would not eat meat <laughs> as a child. Like uh, honestly, I didn't start eating meat until I was 12 because really? I knew it was an animal as a kid, so I wouldn't eat it. Oh wow. Yeah. So and then my mom got with my stepdad and he's like Hunts and does all this shit. So obviously, starting like meat when he came into the picture, but um, but then as an adult, like I've still always just really ate healthy and cleaner, and I've as an adult have really noticed a difference in my mental health and my energy levels when I eat organic food and grass fed meat Mm -hmm. and like local meat that's not pumped full of antibiotics and shit and like organic vegetables and fruit. There is a noticeable difference hmm. in my mental health and my energy levels okay. when I eat organic versus non-organic. Yeah. And it is because they they put they put shit on your food. Yeah. I mean even organic stuff, they the FDA allows them to put so much pesticides on it. So organic food isn't really organic. It yeah. just has less poison on it. Yeah. You're really getting organic shit if you grow it yourself or if it's from the farmers market. Yeah. But
0: you, you go hunt down the animal yourself, yeah,
1: yeah. But that's what I try to do is eat healthy like that because I notice the difference in my mental health, and that's why I'm so, I guess, passionate about people starving. And then when they do get to eat, they eat shit food because it's just like I can't imagine how they feel, yeah. Like, honestly, like I get depressed and stuff sometimes, and I and I feel like shit, and I'm just like, man. I, if I had their circumstance, I might actually fucking kill myself because yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. Like when you really put yourself in other people's shoes and like think of how they must feel, you know, it really like it puts things into perspective.
2: Absolutely. And I feel
1: like I really lacked that until I got in the car wreck. Mm. Like that really did do me good. Did me, did me dirty, but it did me good too. Because when I got in the car wreck, I actually got in a second one. Dang. Yes. So I was still on <laughs> oh my god. I was still on a walker. And I got in a second wreck when I was in Louisiana. I wasn't driving in this one, and this guy basically was in our lane, so mm. we had to swerve. It was that or go into like incoming traffic, so we swerved and we rolled in a ditch. And I had to like cut myself out of my seatbelt cuz I got like trapped in my seatbelt with like mm. a broken pelvis, you know, Damn. in a second car wreck. And I was just like, ooh, you know. Oh, my God. But I moved back to Memphis two weeks after that second car wreck. I would have. Yeah, I was like, this is a sign. (laughs) I was like, this is a sign. Get the fuck out of Louisiana.
0: Dear God.
1: Yeah. But I don't know. Those two experiences just really because I I feel like the second wreck was good for me. Because I feel like I was starting to get in this, like, ungrateful place mm. where I just had this awful experience and I was just like, I was being an ungrateful little shit. I was like, it's like, uh, life sucks. My body hurts. Uh, and it's just like, all right, so you can walk, you can work, like, you can still function. Like, mm. you could be dead, you know, like, you could just not be doing any things you're doing. Yeah. But that second wreck, it just, it really made me realize, like... No, like, get out of your head. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Like, you don't get to feel sorry for yourself. You know, like, there, take, feel your emotions, but then get the fuck over it and, like, do something about it. Because, I, I don't know, I just, I was starting to, like, slump back into, like, that negative, like, I was ungrateful that, you know, because I was so mad about mm. my medical experience. And then I was, like, in another city staying at a family's house that I didn't know that's way different from my family. And it would have been hard enough. Staying <laughs> with my family during that. Yeah, yeah. Like somebody else's. Yeah. So I was definitely getting in this like very ungrateful mindset And that second wreck, like it popped me right out of it. It was like, Nope, girl, you need to be grateful. You need to express gratitude.
2: Yeah.
1: So I don't know. Humbling experiences. I feel like I get humbled often. So it keeps me keeps me on my toes. <laughs> That's
0: good. <laughs> yeah. That's it, good for everybody. It is
1: good. I definitely I want to I want to be a a person that like positively contributes to the world. I don't want I want to leave like a legacy of positive contribution. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily want to be like remembered like oh, Zoe this, Zoe that. Yeah. I want people to remember like the change that yeah. was like instilled the because impact. the impact, not me, but like the impact that was left mm. or that I had. That's my goal in life. Like I want to positively impact The world. I'm not going to limit myself to the community. I'm like, the world. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the whole world.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to have to end this.
1: Yeah, I'll talk forever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like...
0: (laughs) Um... I don't know if you have anything to promote. Some I, I, A lot of times I have people, they they promote stuff or musicians or whatever, um, but do you have any?
1: I'm learning to be an engineer at at Sun Studio. So if you oh, want to okay. book and record a session that I assist on, <laughs> you can, but that's that's really all I'm
0: um, doing. <laughs> so are you currently in the works on anything uh, community-wise or are you, you're still just learning? You're still trying still to- Still
1: learning. Still, still trying, trying to get okay. involved. Basically, my goal right now is to meet people- and, like, f- learn about the programs that are already happening. Because I know, okay. like, I've really been, I've just been really busy with work the past two weeks. But I've really been wanting to reach out to, uh, I can't think of her name right now, but the lady that runs the Carpenter Garden. Hmm. I think it's in, Bing, it's in Binghampton, I believe. Okay. But it's, like, a community garden where she's set up, like, they have pop-up farmer's markets. And she has, like, an educational program for the kids. And, like, really great stuff. And, like, similar, similar like, things uh, that I th- would like to happen, like, in other parts of the community here. So she's definitely somebody that, like, I really, really want to okay. reach out to and meet. I just have been too busy to actually <laughs> reach out yet.
0: <laughs> well, we'll see if we can uh, get that arranged or yeah, something. Yeah,
1: make it happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for everybody tuning in. This was Zoe, and uh, we'll see you all next time.